Welcome to your break for Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And to perhaps be more specific, this is episode 149 of the Random Tab Podcast, which we're calling Nindy's Galore. Uh, and that's because in between the Zeldas and the Mario Karts, the Switch has actually been quietly building a pretty impressive lineup of indie games, mostly entirely on the eShop. So we thought for this episode we'd share some impressions of our favorites later in the show. And, uh, you know, for next time you might need a break from Mario Kart or when you're done with Zelda or whatever, you can have these other games to go to. And we're also going to have impressions of the 3DS Free Start title, Team Kirby Clash Deluxe, which I've been playing, so that'll be later in the show as well. But before all that, it's been a busy few days for Nintendo. Uh, they had their financial report released, they had a briefing where they detailed their 2017 plans, and they had the surprise announcement of a sixth 3DS iteration, the new Nintendo 2DS XL, which is a mouthful of a name, but whatever. Uh, so yeah, we're going to start there with thoughts on all the news, work our way down to those Nindies, and then eventually to Kirby. So if there's any one thing you want to hear about, 3DS news, Switch news, mobile news, rumors of a Super Nintendo Classic, all that, we have timestamps for Nintendo.com on this episode, which again is 149, so you could do that. But yeah, we might as well just jump right in with the, um, financial stuff. So... Okay. The biggest... <laughs> okay. The, the biggest news out of the financial briefing, I think it's safe to say, was the 2DS XL... But we should probably set the stage a bit first, because before the reveal, or the reason there was the reveal, is the night before Nintendo announced its financial results for the last fiscal year, which, to give you an idea of what that means, that's April 1st, 2016, up through March 31st, 2017. So basically most of 2016 and the Switch launch. And as you can guess, they did a pretty good job for themselves over that year. The company brought in what amounts to $920 million over that year, which is up a whopping 521% compared to the year prior. To be fair, a large portion of that was due to the sale of the Seattle Mariners, which Nintendo had a large chunk in. And, I thought they uh, sold them. They did, but this is the whole year. So when they sold them, we talked about for the quarter, but now on a yearly level, like includes that quarter. So they sold them. They got okay. money from that. They then also had a bunch of money just from merely owning Pokemon Go. Or having a stake in Pokemon Go, I mean. So they didn't do a whole lot in terms of their own stuff. Nonetheless, though, $264 million of that $920 million was income uh, that they got as profit off their core business of making and selling video games. So just from their investments. Yeah, the other stuff was mostly their investments or getting rid of their investments. And then they made $264 million off just their core business of games. So net sales were actually down year over year. But that's to be expected because, you know, you have a home console that's dead in the water. The Wii U literally did not sell a single unit since January. Or let me rephrase it. They didn't ship a single unit. They didn't sell through, meaning they didn't send retailers a single unit from January till now. Um, and likewise, Amiibo was down a lot. A year ago, they sold 24 million figures, uh, figurines and 29 million cards. This year, we're looking at 9.1 million figurines and 9.3 million cards. That's a big drop. Not, I wouldn't say it's surprising. I mean, no one talks about Amiibo anymore. There's not as many Amiibo games, excluding Zelda recently, haven't really used Amiibo in the past year. But, uh, yeah, nonetheless, it is down over those 12 months, so that is partly why sales are down. But the saving grace of all their week sales was Pokemon. The Halo effect from Pokemon Go on the 3DS, the 3DS itself because of that, and also, of course, Switch having stronger than expected debut. So we're going to cover that layer in the show, but but first, first up is 3DS, but very first, I did want to note something that's kind of interesting. We're talking about a company who started their year releasing Star Fox Zero. 
and ended their year with the highest stock turnover of any Japanese com- uh, company in 2016. More than Toyota. More than Mitsubishi. They started with Star Fox. They ended with Pokemon Go, Zelda at E3, NES Classic, Switch, uh, Pokemon uh, Sun and Moon. Like, that's insane. If you think about it, like, at the start of 2016, we're all like, oh, this is the weird off year. The Switch isn't coming out. What are they going to do? I don't know. They managed to do a fair amount, at least in building Mindshare. Yeah. But, like, 2016 was a weirdly banner year for Nintendo, even though they didn't really have a whole lot on the docket at the start, you know? Honestly, everything before the Switch feels like it was eons ago. It kind of was. Like, I don't even, I completely forgot Star Fox was, I guess, within the year. Yeah, within... now it was Star Fox. Remember I, I Metroid thought... Federation Force? That was a thing that happened within the last year, I mean, too. As much as that was, like, looking at the game in a more favorable light, I kind of forgot that game existed. And Star Fox, I honestly thought, came out, like, three years ago or something. Nope, it was April of last year. It was literally two weeks into this fiscal year, this past fiscal year that the financials cover. Like, yeah, that and Guard. Smash Bros. is the only game that feels like always just came out. Like that's because you're always playing it. That's yeah, why. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just find that kind of crazy if you stop and think about it, that they had that much of like a pivot. But good for them. Good for them. And a, a big chunk of that 2016 success, like I was saying, can be attributed to what happened with the 3DS, which we'll get to the 2DS XL. But first, in case you're wondering, over the last fiscal year, they managed to actually sell 7.27 million 3DSs. Did which they is now they did, which is up seven percent <laughs> over the year prior. And that, in turn, means that the 3DS now has lifetime sales of $66 million, which is a good chunk. It's $20 million behind Game Boy Advance, ahead of N64, ahead of GameCube, certainly ahead of uh, Virtual Boy and Wii U, of course. But, uh, yeah, the, the thing that mainly drove that, I bet you can guess, there's one big game last year. Please say, like, Barbie's Horse Adventure. <laughs> one big game last year? Yeah, there's one major one. Well, they had multiple, but there's one that really, like, was a record setter. It starts with Poke, it ends with Mon, and it's Not tropical. Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix. No, July. It, it starts with Poke. Did that count last year? Actually, it, yes, oh, it did year? last June. Oh wow! Yeah, oh. at the E3 that only had Zelda, but actually had more than Zelda, but really only had Zelda. Badge Arcade. Editions? Bingo! No, it was Pokemon Sun and Moon. Oh. <laughs> uh, Pokemon Sun and Moon managed to sell. That game sell... also feels like it came out right way too long ago. Now here's the crazy. I thing got about... super into it, but then I don't know what happened. It just fizzled out yeah well yeah i guess the invest the time in, the investment it requires was i was all for it but then the switch came out and the switch was the death you yeah, know, for a lot of I, stuff I, for us yeah i, I mean say. for better or worse like nintendo keeps saying it's not a 3ds replacement or a 3ds any like anything but i mean it still is for a lot like, of people it is for a lot yeah, of people it is it depends I've on definitely, your price range i've barely touched my 3ds and the only reason i did recently was because i was kind of fed up with having to i guess unplug and unplug the switch to plug in the wii to play smash brothers so i'm like all right i'm just gonna play smash Brothers on 3ds so it's not as good on 3ds i know but that's how much i don't want to unplug the switch that's why you should just have an entertainment center, center like me where everything's just constantly plugged in well i would need a splitter for to do that so... and more outputs i mean and more um i guess a, a bigger extension cord or whatever but well, well we maybe aren't playing 3ds that much it's still doing well yeah yeah because i mean yeah your, your I, point's valid i mean i still like the system yeah me too and i played kirby on it i'm definitely gonna go later. back to play more rhythm heaven again but yeah i don't know what else oh there's a whole lot kind of here there's hey pikmin there's ever oasis there's uh so nothing metopia there's so still nothing fire emblem 
Echoes. Mm, there's so unannounced things. Have you said anything yet? There's. I have said words, <laughs> and those words represent games. No, there's that Kirby one. Three Kirby ones. One of the Kirby ones. The action multiplayer action fighter that they haven't really revealed Rumble yet. Rumble Blast. What was it called? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one I'm interested in. Summer. Yeah. But before that, I'm gonna reel there's this nothing. back. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm gonna reel this back. But we okay. So your your Pokemon Sun and Moon points valid in that us Switch owners were probably already migrated. But I mean. Did you know Pokemon Sun and Moon has already sold enough to be the second best-selling 3DS game of all time? 15.44 million units in five months. It has surpassed Mario Kart 7. It's only behind wow. Mario or Pokemon X and Y, and it's only behind it by 620,000 units, meaning it will be the top-selling 3DS game probably by summer. That's crazy. So, so that's why that's why the 3DS is doing so well. And it's not just it's not just Pokemon though. There is other stuff that's kind of helped. Super Mario Maker for 3DS, something we don't care about, like as the guys are now on the Switch and have Wii U's, that managed to sell over 2.34 million units. Over 2 million people got the slightly less good version of Mario Maker because that's what they have. They only have, you know, they only have uh, a, 3DS. a 3DS. Or or even more. Or a 2DS. Or a 2DS or a 3DS XL or a new 3DS XL or a new two or soon to be a new 2DS XL. But uh, also... Planet Robobot, even Kirby did pretty well. Over 1.36 million copies sold. Like, Kirby games are like a little stealthy one where you never expect them to sell that well, but they almost always top a million. Hmm. They're kind of like a slow burn. But, but yeah, on top of that, there's still the evergreen tiles, which you were making the point that... Um, I don't know if you are saying... You weren't saying on the podcast. You are saying it before the podcast, actually, about how Mario Kart's going to be an evergreen no matter what. And sure enough, 3DS proves that... Um, Kimishima, Nintendo's president, Tatsumi Kimishima, said during their financial briefing that in the last fiscal year, more than 2 million additional copies of Mario Kart 7 have been sold. This is years after it came out. Similarly, 1.41 million Pokemon X and Y were sold, probably because of Pokemon Go. Similarly, a million new Super Mario Bros. 2 copies were sold. I don't know why that one specifically is selling, but okay. Probably, it must be part of Nintendo Selects or something. And then also, there's just shy of a million more Animal Crossings out there due to the Welcome Amiibo update. So in total, 3DS software sales are up 14% year over year. So we may disregard it, and some of our listeners may disregard it because, you know, Switch is the new hotness. But it's still doing pretty well for Nintendo. It's actually up for the first time. This is the first time that the hardware and software went up year over year, opposed to staying flat or going down. So with all those games still selling at those numbers, you could kind of see why Nintendo may want to keep the 3DS going. Kimishima said in the briefing they plan to have Switch and 3DS be businesses that are run, quote, separately and in parallel. Uh, he attributes it mainly to different play styles of the systems, and more significantly, in my opinion, to the different price points. So much so that Nintendo is forecasting it will sell 6 million more 3DSs this fiscal year, which is from now till next March. 6 million. For a system that, as far as we're concerned, is completely irrelevant now that Switch is out. So, it's again, the price points why, the, the play styles why, but... I could use this as an opportunity to get on my soapbox again about how 3DS is now the budget system, but I will spare everyone because I've said so many episodes, and instead I'm just going to jump straight ahead and say how we're going to sell 6 million. We as a Nintendo, I guess I'm now Nintendo, and the answer is the new Nintendo 2DS XL. Boy, did that thing come out of nowhere. I kind of want the orange and white one. It's super nice looking. But I definitely don't want it because it's a 3DS, 2DS thing. It did, make, it did make me realize that um, it never occurred to me that the 2DS didn't have the Amiibo because there wasn't a new 2DS. It was just a 2DS, Yeah, you had to right? get the separate NFC reader, yeah. the little po- hockey puck. 
Mm-hmm. The the thing that I find um, funny about this is there was a rumor, I want to say like a month ago, that they were going to make a 2DS XL. And I was like, yeah, right. And just never brought up on the podcast, never like decided to bring it up on the podcast, never mentioned it to you even because I'm like, yeah, this is <gasps> a thing. And then it wow. was a thing. And now it's a thing. And here we are. So... I mean, as far as I'm concerned, the 2DS XL, new 2D, new Nintendo 2DS XL, is literally just the Game Boy Micro of the 3DS family. Like, I tweeted something to this effect right after his announcement. anything but Micro. But not in terms of its size, but in terms of everything else. The parallels not are all... really customizable. Well, hold on. Let me do the parallels. From Nintendo's business perspective. Not in terms of what the... the obviously, each system has its own pros and cons in terms of features. But in terms of how they're, tar- how they're positioning it, it is the Micro round, too. First off, same exact release timing. Micro came out after the DS. 2DS XL comes out after the Switch. It's like the last hurrah, sort of. Also, the price difference with the successor, DS or Switch. So when the DS launched in November 2004, it was 200 bucks. When the Micro launched in September 2005, it was 50% cheaper at 100 bucks. When the Switch launched, 300 bucks. When the 2DS XL launches, 150 bucks. The exact same difference it's basically as if they looked at inflation and went yeah we could probably double that and then just do it but it's the exact same price difference it's the exact same release timing and arguably they're both the best looking iterations of their respective lines like game boy micro was a seriously cool piece of hardware it was tiny but like that metal frame the face plates like you mentioned like those looked really cool and it's really nice to hold like i really love my micro and now we have the TSXL, which may to some people including myself look a bit like two generic smartphones that are connected by a random hinge yeah, in the middle it literally looks like an iphone 4 without the no it looks like yeah. an iphone it looks like an android 3. phone from three years ago slapped yeah. on another android phone from three years ago with a camera in the middle but it looks so nice as two android phones that are slapped together like i really like the look of it oh well i guess i'm rephrase when i say i like how it looked i only like the outside i really don't like how the inside looks Dude, i really like the two-tone button thing the turquoise buttons on the black, like the way they pop, it looks really good in my opinion. Yeah. The white and the white and uh, orange, the Japan and Europe only one, less so. I think the outside looks better on that one, but on the, but the the um, turquoise black, I like the inside a lot better. And and it, I mean, it's interesting because they also borrowed some of the stuff from the Switch. I don't know if you noticed, but like they have similar design choices, like having a cartridge cover. They have similar um, and SD card slot cover. They have similar. Um, packaging like they both have the square white on red logo it's obviously switch on switch but on the 2ds xl it's the nintendo logo in that red square um and while it's not exactly switch like i really do like that little slanted nintendo logo that takes the corner on the lid mm-hmm. like how they slot that in on the triangle i thought that was pretty cool but but i think at least in my opinion the thing that's most impressive about the design is how it really does mesh the 2ds and the 3ds in terms of what it looks like and who it's targeting like this thing is very clearly a hybrid of every other 3ds they've done at least in my opinion like the 2ds was targeting young kids and it was super apparent with its design like you had a single slate you can't snap in two you had this kind of wedge-like quality to it that makes it easier to hold you had these shoulder buttons that were super fat and plasticky so if you happen to drop it on a shoulder button it wouldn't break or anything it just kind of bounce off it's just this big plastic chunk you had uh you know, it had this general roundness, so you could toss it anywhere and you don't have to worry about scuffing or having a sharp edge and cutting someone or anything like that. Like, it's very, like, kid-proof, right? Yeah. And now if you look at the... I would say that. Yeah, if you look at, like, the 2DS XL, it's basically all that, but kind of matures it up a bit. Like, the top has this kind of rugged texture. I don't know if you saw it, but those stripes are, like, like that rugged texture that seems to imply 
Sure, just toss this in a backpack, throw it against the wall, it will be fine. And now on top of that, you have the equally rounded look of it, kind of like the 2DS, complete with these like pseudo colorful bumpers that almost seems like, like they're just a design thing. Like those rings of turquoise are white on the lid. But it seems to almost imply that you could toss it into a backpack or whatever and it won't really matter. Because look, it's rounded and it's safe and it's, it's kind of like a phone bumper. Like they're kind of mimicking that design language. And it keeps the big chunky shoulder buttons. The ones that are specifically there, so if you drop it on a shoulder, it doesn't matter. Like, it's the exact same shoulder buttons. Does this one have two shoulder buttons, like the other new 3DS? Yes. Oh. Yes, it has every single feature of the new 3DS XL except the 3D. Yeah. Every feature. Processing power, everything. And and then not only that, but um, it brings back the clamshell, which is a first for the 2DS. So it also – I don't know if you saw this. This one, I was like, it took them long enough. Fully flush touchscreen. There is no ridge on the touchscreen. When you close the system, the screen will not scratch the other screen because it has that little lip. The lip is gone. It's like finally, they after five other iterations, well, four if you don't count the 2DS, they realized, oh, maybe we should like get rid of that little scratchy part. And they did. Like, it just seems like um, it's just way more thought out in some ways. It's way more kid-friendly, but also like mature enough in the sense of like it looks nice it doesn't look like a fisher price toy as much and also to keep it like kid friendly exact same weight as the 2ds they have a proven thing of like oh yeah this amount of weight a kid can handle just fine 2ds xl is to the decimal exactly the same which is something that no one really noticed but i was was looking at the side by side i'm like huh that that's kind of impressive um so yeah it's everything but the 3d and given that so many games now don't even use 3D on 3DS, you know, Pokemon Sun and Moon didn't really have it. Hey, Pikmin will not have it. Doesn't really I seem mean, like a big deal that Super they cut Mario it. 3D then really used it. Yeah, the three, 3D was kind of... I hate to say it, but in retrospect, it kind of wasn't a thing that ever needed to happen. Like, it was, it was cool, visually. Yeah, it was appreciated. I always definitely preferred it on, but... Me too. I always left it on, but I feel like it didn't need to be on in retrospect. Yeah, I you're playing... New Super Mario Land 3D, but again, that's like the only one that really went out of its way to try to use it. Mm-hmm. Especially in those little, like those little mini game rooms where oh, yeah, without, like, the, without the 3D, it literally looks like a flat plane, so yeah. that could actually be a pain to but play. But then, did 2D. you really need it? Because they were able to replicate those on Wii U's Mario World, 3D World, without. No, they didn't give you levels exactly like oh, that. Oh, that's true, but they worked around. Like, those were intentionally yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, turn off. Like, I think it was in the. If you left the title screen on long enough, it would just say. It would just show you the demo, like, oh, turn the 3D off. Look how it looks perfectly flat. But turn the 3D on, like, oh, that's right. That. Yeah. But that was, like, such a... No, yeah. I mean, it in was... In retrospect, it was just as bad as some of the game. It, it was their Nintendo Land for yeah. the 3D. I mean, it was cool. But, yeah, 3D, like, 3D as a thing is kind of dead. So I'm not surprised. So it makes sense that they're, you know, phasing it out with this final 3DS. And I think what, what seems to be happening here is they basically took the 2DS, took the 3DS XL, and found... The perfect middle ground where younger and older players can be accommodated by a single device. Like, this thing is kid-friendly, but it also doesn't look like a little kid's toy. It's slick, but it's also durable. Like, it, it's smart and intended to do it. And the only thing I'm worried about is people are going to get confused by this thing. Because there are now six, six different 3DSs. You got the 3DS, the 3DS XL, the new Nintendo 3DS XL, the new Nintendo 3DS, the 2DS, and the new Nintendo 2DS XL. But they only really need to worry about four, right? They only really need Actually, to worry because I mean the 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 3ds, the regular new 3d, yeah, new 3ds is limited. Yeah, it's limited and rarely you see it in store. So it's just the new 3ds XL, the two, the new 2ds XL, and the regular 2ds. 
my theory that you're going to see in stores. And and I doubt at this point it seems like you're even going to see the. You're not going to see the. No, you're still going to see the 2DS. My theory, at least in my opinion, my theory is you're not going to see the 3DS. I think the 3DS XL is going to be phased out mm. because the 2DS can exist for the real youngins out there. Like in in the presentation, in the financial briefing, Kimishimo confirmed that this kid first strategy for the 2DS works really well. Sales went up when they dropped the price then low enough that for mean little they kids. Would have taken away the two cameras on the outside. I mean, why even give it the ability to take 3D pictures if they're going to phase out the 3D in general? I feel like that would have been the first indication that they were going to get rid of 3D. But why would a 2DS need 3D pictures regardless? That's like, like the what... fact that it's there, I don't think changes are they keeping the 3DS. I think it's just like... I don't know, but why did they keep it I don't all? know, actually. That's, That's like, it doesn't really make any sense. Point. Oh, because it does the AR. has the AR cards, and oh, the AR cards require the 3D right. mapping. That's, That's right. the only reason. Yeah. The depth, yeah. But yeah, because you could do 3, the AR without... 3D, yeah. but you can't do 3D or AR without 3D cameras. That's true. And I guess at that point, they're like, well, it's great. You could still take the 3D pictures anyway. And I suspect that um, they're keeping AR in specifically because of Pokemon Go. AR is now a thing everyone in the world knows about. Whether they understand it as like, augmented reality is this technique where you you know map virtual things on a real world. Whether they get it at well, that Snapchat level or just like... kind of made it yeah, mainstream. Exactly. Although I guess you don't need multiple cameras for like what Snapchat does, but they use way Good more point. advanced algorithms than mm-hmm. what Nintendo's doing with the AR cards that are not even supposed anymore outside of being in the box but the thing i was gonna say is like kimishima has said on the record that the kid first strategy works for the 2ds it's super cheap it's you know it's it's something parents can give their little kids to be fine it's more durable than even this new 2ds will be but for tweens and for people above tweens i suspect nintendo wants them to go the 2ds route if they're looking to buy anything under the price of the switch like if switch is too much for them or for their parents i'm pretty sure nintendo's like you should check out this 2ds xl opposed to the 3ds and the reason I think that is a few things. First of all, this system is bound to be cheaper than a real 3DS. I mean, the real 3DS has a specialty component of that 3D screen. The 2DS and now the new 2DS XL, I think it's mostly heavily commodified components. Like the chips or whatever, the screens are just touch screens. Like it's not, I don't see them needing to spend a lot of money to produce these things. So it's probably better for them if they're making it the budget system to make it cheaper so they can make more profit off it. So there's that. And second, why else would regular 3DSs have pretty much disappeared off the face of the earth these last few months? I think we talked about this when the Switch uh, came out, but since the holiday, or like before the Switch came out, but since the holidays, Nintendo has not made it easy to get a 3DS. Like if you go to stores, they are mostly sold out of 3DSs. There's, I wouldn't quite call it like a full-on charge, but it's definitely not you just walk in and buy a 3DS, no problem. It is, you have to hunt for them. And if you're planning to continue a 3DS XL line for, say, the entirety of 2017 and maybe into 2018, why would you let your supplies dry up at the start of 2017 or the end of 2016? Unless, of course, you want to deplete your inventory because there's a replacement on the way. And that replacement is probably the 2DS XL. That, that's my reasoning, at least. Um, also, uh, I think Nintendo's treating this more like a replacement than they did other spin-off systems like this really the way they're launching it feels like a full-on 3ds replacement so i don't know if you remember but when the th- when the uh, original 2ds launched it was tacked on with the release of pokemon x and y when the 3ds xl launched Wasn't it omega ruby oh no you're right, you're right yeah it was x and y when uh when the 3ds launched it was tacked on with i think new super mario brothers 2 like those games were already coming out and then they're just like oh and we're re- releasing this kind of slightly different version of the system with them 
the only time that they made like a big deal of a launch is when the new 3ds xl came out which was a replacement for the 3d the regular 3ds line like the pre pre new and that launched with two games alongside it majora's mask 3d and monster hunter and those two were treated like launch tiles like it was like an event like they were paired together in a very specific way there you had the Monster Hunter new 2DS XL yeah. and the Majora's Mask new 2DS yeah. XL. And now you got the new 2DS XL, which is getting a similar double treatment and similar pairings with games. Here in the US, it launches with Hey Pikmin and Metopia on July 28th. And more significantly, in Japan, just like Monster Hunter, it is launching, the 2DS XL is launching with Dragon Quest XI and a custom 3DS, or 2DS for Dragon Quest XI. It actually looks pretty slick. It's called the, it's a mouthful of a name. You ready for this? The Liquid Metal Slime New Nintendo 2DS XL. And have you seen the pictures? Yeah. If you guys listening haven't seen pictures, go look it up. It's something they've never done before. It has 3D. Like, it... it Bulges so out. It bulges. Yeah, so the, the top of the system has a little melted slime with his eyes kind of poking out. It looks, it looks really cool. But they wouldn't do a custom new system, coincide the launch of their system with the game, and have a multi-game launch here in the States simultaneously, unless this thing was like a new system yeah, opposed to had, just an iteration. Yeah, you know what I pretty, mean? Yeah, like full-on molded 3DS. Yeah. Not even so, for their own first-party character. Yeah. yeah. So so first of all, that's super cool in its own right. But secondly, like that to me, all that suggests, along with the fact that you can't get a normal 3DS and the fact that this is just cheaper for Nintendo, that they're going to get rid of the 3DS as we know it and this is the future. 3D for Nintendo is probably dead. Like this is it. This is where 2DS is going. So that's my take. I mean... Maybe I'm wrong. I could be very, I could be very wrong, but it just right now all the dots connect a little too smoothly for it to not be that, in my opinion. Um, of course, it is going to take more than just a launch to to get those six million. Like if they put out the new 2DS XL, God, what a mouthful! If they put that out like in July and they're like, "Cool, we'll just coast. They'll be fine. We'll sell six million off this by next March." I don't think it will. They're going to need more, and luckily Nintendo's aware of that. He uh, said during the presentation, Kimishima said, that uh, evergreen tiles, of course, could be a key component of this. Uh, presumably, since the 2DS XL is targeting people that don't have 3DSs, I don't know why anyone would necessarily double back and get this. I mean, would you double back and get this? Nope. Same. And, and don't get it wrong. I love the look of it, as I've said. But, like, I have three 3DSs. Why on earth would I get a fourth one at this point, especially with the Switch? But for some people, this is their first 3DS, and they can then take all the old games... And just sort of push them on people as if they're new. They can do more Nintendo Selects. They can do, you know, just keep supplying apparently new Super Mario Brothers 2 stores and people <laughs> keep buying it. I don't know why that one, like, but whatever. Um, but beyond just new games, they're also going to have a steady stream of new games. Did I say new games? Beyond just evergreen games, they're going to have a steady stream of new games too. Beyond what we saw in the Direct, that's where things get, get interesting. In an interview with IGN, Reggie was saying that... Um, not just in 2017, but in 2018, there are going to be new titles and support for the 3DS line, which is kind of kind of interesting. They're going to announce stuff at E3. They're going to announce stuff after E3. And before you say it's crazy that they're supporting this thing two years or a year and a half on from the Switch or whatever. I wasn't. Well, before any listener goes, that's crazy, and rips off their headphones and throws them against the wall and stops listening, uh, consider this. Game Boy Advance lived on for over 18 months after DS came out. In fact... Nintendo's final game for the Game Boy Advance, which is a favorite of yours, Rhythm Heaven, was released in August of 2006. Of 2006. The DS came out in November of 2004. That is almost two full years after the DS came out. They were still supporting Game Boy Advance. So yeah, 
I think they're going to be supporting 3DS. Like, them supporting 3DS in 2018 is not at all surprising. It lines up perfectly. If this is their micro, it makes even more sense. And that's not even including third-party games. You know, we got Dragon Quest coming out. Here in the U.S. in the fall, there's Layton's Mystery Journey, which is a spinoff of Professor Layton starring a female Layton. That's coming to America. Um, some new games from Nintendo, we don't really know what they are, but one that's rumored. This rumor actually came out right before we went to record. Is Mario & Luigi Superstar Saga DX, which is likely a remake of the Game Boy Advance original. In the same vein as Sonic Adventure DX? I don't know. Or Mario Kart or more of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. As opposed to Deluxe or Director's Cut or XD. Oh, wait, no. Sonic was XD, right? No, no Sonic was DX. XD was Pokemon XD, Gale of Darkness. But, you know, the the last time Nintendo used, I believe, the last time they used DX was when they did Game Boy uh, to Game Boy Color. Oh, the Link's Awakening. A uh, a Link's Awakening DX, Mario Brothers, Super Mario Bros. DX, all the old games being colorfied. So I don't know what that means for this, except it's going to be like a revamp. But the reason this rumor popped up is a known hacker who previously got correct things from the eShop about Breath of the Wild before they were announced. Uh, went through the eShop server and found this listing. So it it's likely to be true. I don't know why how this would have surfaced otherwise. Arguably, it is the best Mario and Luigi, in my opinion. Like, I love Superstar Saga. But at the same time... I mean, arguably, yes, but... Well, okay, what's your not... favorite? I, <laughs> it, arguably, but no. No, I really yeah, like You could argue it, but it's not true. Wait, well, okay, what's your favorite? Bowser's Inside Story? Because you're inside Bowser and you've always wanted to be inside Bowser? Uh, I don't know. My off the top of my head, I was gonna say Partners in Time just because I really like that, that one. Pretty good, yeah. But Party Bowser and Sethora just because of its sole focus on Bowser. But I think um, Partners in Time was more challenging, and I definitely really, really like that about it. Hmm. I like the original. I don't know. Well, you know, it feels like Partners in Time was also just so wacky and off the wall, and just had true. like so many crazy new villains that it was just like it was just really interesting from beginning to end. It was just so off the wall. I feel like, I feel like... Especially controlling four that characters was, at once, it just seems so like, like whoa, it's like they're really like pushing it, like, yeah, four babies. Yeah. Yeah, to crazy. be honest, the, the whole, like, doubling thing they did with Partners in Time and how they really cleverly had battles playing out on both screens at once where you had to, like, use the different, mm-hmm. like, all that, that was really cool. Yeah. That was a really good example of what the DS That, that definitely left a, a bigger impact on me than after playing Bowser and Seth Story, but yeah. I definitely do love the fact that we got to play as Bowser. I think I like, I mean, maybe it's the nostalgia thing, maybe it's like Star Fox I mean, in fact, I think I picked, um, Powell's, I think I picked Partners in Time for, was it our flashback? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, the Game Boy or the DS one, yeah, yeah. yeah for those who don't know what we're talking about, you go to dot com <laughs> and check out the extras section. We used to do little write ups about our favorite games from past systems. The problem is there are no more past systems. I mean, I guess there's the Wii. We haven't done the Wii, but still kind of recent in a way. Um, but yeah, I was gonna say, I wonder if my love of Superstar Saga is somewhat like rose tinted glasses. Like, I wonder if it's like a Star Fox sixty four situation. I'm like, well, that was the first one I played, and I have so many fond memories. I just assume it's the best. But if I go back, maybe I don't feel that way. No, I, I mean, unlike Star Fox 64, which is definitely roasted because that game is terrible. Whoa. Um, Whoa. Whoa. Anyone Watch that, yourself. <laughs> anyone that didn't play it when it came out, well, no. Unless but they, Saga, But Superstar Saga holds up regardless is what you're saying. Yeah, because I played that one within the last six years. And it was still and, good? Yeah, I still enjoyed it. Um, I remember, I guess, the first time I played it, I got to the final boss and I couldn't beat it. So then I went back and played it again. Not that, like, I guess recently, like within the last six years, then played through the whole thing and enjoyed it and it was still very playable. So would you go back, would you triple dip? If they come out with it as a DX and there's some new 
thing. I mean, if it would had you like, play it a third time now? I would, just because the vi- even on the system it, yeah. you don't want to go back to anymore. The 3ds. Well, I mean, like I said, I have it on standby for Smash Brothers, so it's <laughs> and Rhythm Heaven. Sure, so I, I wouldn't mind going back for that, especially because um, as I was playing. Uh, Mario Luigi. I definitely remember thinking to myself a few times, like, man, like the visuals should get an overhaul because they starting they're starting to feel just dated enough that I probably wouldn't have gone back to it, but also not dated enough that they still look nice and colorful. But it just looks so flat compared to the new, the more recent Mario Luigi games. I remember, like, it's hard to go back to that art because yeah. I got so used to the Paper Jam, Luigi's Dream Team, like all of those. I remember when Superstar Saga came out, I was so impressed by those sprites. Like, they looked 3D, but they weren't 3D, but they kind of looked 3D because they had, like, that, like... Oh, yeah, because yeah, nothing had they, shading they in game, so Yeah, just, they had shading. Yeah. So the, instead of doing, like, the pseudo 3D sprites like RPG did, like Legends of Seven Star did, they instead were like, well, what if we just shade them really well and give them kind of some curvature that way? And it, was re- it was a really cool look. Like, I remember, <laughs> I remember when I was like, when did that come out? Like... 2003 2002 i think it was 2002 and i remember i was big on the like a big active user on nintendo forums at the time and i made a custom signature where i actually animated like the mario sprite from superstar saga like i i you know did an animated gif of him running around and stuff and yeah i have fond memories of that game so i'm kind of excited that it's back and honestly i hate to say it the mario and luigi store the mario and luigi series i feel like it's kind of been losing steam over the years like each new iteration just feels less inspired and more just like, oh, Alpha Dream's just pumping them out. So it is kind of cool that instead of just trying to make another one that's just going to feel the same, they just go back to the source and expose it to a new generation. So I'm hoping I'm hoping DX has more than, you know, has more than just the exact same game. But even if it's just the same game spruced up, that's that's good enough. It's been long enough. It's been like 15 years. So. Huh, apparently I didn't pick Partners in Time. What did you pick? I picked Ghost Trick and Pokemon Diamond, which makes perfect sense. Mm. You do know you. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, it could have not not been Diamond and Ghost Trick. It, it could definitely see because Ghost Trick is really good. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, so that that's kind of what's up with 3DS and the new TSXL. I mean, you pick Mario Kart DS in case you were curious. I know I did, and I forgot what the other one was. I don't remember either. I, but I know Mario Kart. That's my all-time favorite DS game. Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much it for 3DS. I guess like the oh, big. That's right. The big. What was it? It's just not getting away. Lady Beat Agents. Ah, that's right. I did really like that game. You did? I did. We really need another one. We do. Especially on the Switch. It could totally work. Or even on the 3DS, because um, Nintendo, you're going to need more games for the 3DS <laughs> if you want your strategy of $6 million to work. A new system, new TSXL, looks great, targeting the right people, does the right things. Not enough. You need games. More games. So you can only live off your evergreens for so long. I mean, when you have Pokemon Sun and Moon selling $15 million in five months, and you have Mario Kart 7 selling $2 million in a year... You can't just live off Evergreen. It's certainly going to help, but you can't just live off it. So, yeah, do do Elite Agents 2. Make a new Rhythm Heaven so Angel's happy. Give a Superstar Saga DX, and we're good. And then figure out what you're going to do for the next 12 months, because if you're going into 2018, you have a while. You have things you need to map out. I'm actually really curious to see what they show at E3 for the uh, 3DS. Like, it seems, it seems like we're at the point where they're going to do the crazy weird stuff. Where they're just, like, throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks. Like, Game Boy had that point where they released, like, Drill Dozer and DK King of Swing and all that. And it was these weird little oddball games, and they're really fun. And I'm kind of hoping that's where 3DS goes. Hmm. But we'll see. I guess only time will tell. Indeed. In the meantime, though, the 2DS XL and the future 3DS is only half the Nintendo system story. 
there's also, you know, the Switch. So it's doing pretty well for itself. I think we all know that. Nintendo confirmed in its financial report that the Switch has sold 2.74 million units as of the end of March, and it's surely gone up since then. And what's particularly impressive about that number is that A, it's with the shortages. Like, imagine how much higher that would be if there weren't shortages. And B, it exceeded everyone's expectations. Nintendo's goal was 2 million in March. Some analysts predicted maybe 2.3 or 2.4 million if Nintendo can crank out supply. And then they exceeded that by another 3 to 4 million. So they exceeded so, your Or not million, sorry, 3 to 400,000. What about your expectations? So my expectations was what Nintendo was saying. I was like, okay, probably about 2 million because they know their production line, maybe a little more, but I did not expect it to be 2.74. It's kind of nuts. And all that success has led Nintendo's stock to rise 20% since the Switch came out. So you don't think the momentum is dead? No, no. You don't think like in, by June or July, everything's just going to slow No, and the time? reason I... Well, no. They're going to have to keep it up. But right now they're good. I mean, there's no, for lack of a better term, Breath of the Wild coming out anytime sure soon. Sure there is. It just came out this weekend. It's called Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Yeah, I guess. Now, before, before we get to that, your point about momentum, Breath of the Wild is a unique case. So we should probably point out just how... Well, actually, you know what? No, we'll, we'll talk momentum. Sure. I'll, I'll shuffle... Thing. actually yeah no let's do sales real quick sorry i'm just looking at my notes i'm like i don't know how to loop this back around without so we'll do, I'll, let me finish the sales real quick and then we'll talk about momentum because you're right they have their challenge they have it cut out they have their work cut out from that for them but they seem to be doing everything right with mario kart and it's paying off already off one day of data so so real quick before we get to that though um i was just gonna say for anyone curious zelda is a unique case like you're saying it is hard to top that because zelda is at 100% attach rate, basically. Nintendo says it's around 90%, but it's 100%. Worldwide sales of Zelda on Switch are at 2.76 million. That's 200,000 more than the game than the system sold. And if you add in the Wii U version, you're at 3.84 million by, by the end of March, not even including any of April, which is large. Um, and the thing is, other Switch games, also to your point, don't have that same cachet so to speak like momentum is zelda right now and mario kart it's not one two switch it's not Bomberman. like according to kimishima's presentation one two switch is just now approaching one million units shipped not sold shipped and that's significant because we don't actually know what one two switch is selling as a result retailers have bought about a million but we don't know if that translates into people that bought it and anecdotally i see a lot of one two switches lying around and not as many zeldas lying around and zero mario karts lying around so, you know, take it as you will. But some real data to back that up is NPD for March. They released more numbers after our last episode. Zelda, number two game of the month. 1-2 Switch, 13th game of the month. For a launch title that had that much high-profile marketing, that's not that great. It's not horrible. Oh. Nearly a million worldwide is nothing to scoff at. But, like, to your point about momentum, 1-2 Switch is not contributing to that momentum, really. Well, so in spite of that... Yeah, and the funny thing about One Two Switch is it's not contributing to that momentum so much that um, in the presentation you're like, yeah, it's approaching a million units, and we've been doing some, we've been generating some buzz with fun marketing. Like when we send employees to go milk real cows, like really, that's how you're promo- that's what you're telling investors. Like, look at this great buzz. We had a cow milking competition that was sort of on social media for like a day, and no one really paid attention. And I, I saw headlines, but I would ignore them. Yeah, I think most people did, but. Uh, but yeah, so that's not contributing to the momentum. Likewise, um, one two, uh, not one two switch. Sorry, snipper clips. If it depends on how you look at snipper clips, actually, it's weird. So if you look at it, 
as something that's like building momentum no not at all if you look at it as this little digital only game that's really fun for co-op and worth checking out it's doing pretty well kimishima said in the presentation it's been downloaded over three hundred fifty thousand times well i mean i can't imagine it being a system so it's no. just it's just one of those games that you already had the switch all right i'll check this game out yeah yeah and it's and it's good for that three hundred fifty thousand times people have checked it out and that's a pretty decent number but i would like to take this opportunity here on the show to tell the other 2.3 million people who have not checked it out and own switches to go check it out it's so charming and like it really demonstrates how great Switch can be for instantaneous multiplayer. It literally feels like it was built for kickstand mode. You just play it anywhere. I saw people at Disneyland playing it once, actually. A couple was sitting in one of the restaurants playing Slipper Clips on their Switch. You don't say that. Yeah, no, really. But yeah, it's um, it's something I kind of want them to make more of because the more or to sell more of because the more people who buy it, the better chances for DLC of new levels because it is a bit short, right? Like, wouldn't DLC be great for Slipper Clips? <laughs> you're, 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 holding back tears yeah yeah i will be but, but i mean no seriously like look at what happened with Bomberman. like that's getting dlc because it sold so well its sales were higher than perhaps anyone anticipated yeah. kimishima's the game is awesome it yeah. definitely earned everything it's seriously like, it sold over half a million copies worldwide kimishima released that number in the briefing and granted it landed at 17th place on mpd's uh march top 20 but 17th place for a game that you didn't expect to sell anything is a whole lot better sounding than 13th place for a game you thought was going to be your big system seller for casuals. Yeah. So It's kind of scary, though, because, I mean, with that price, we thought it wasn't going to do as well just because it didn't seem like it had... I mean, before the game came out, it just seemed like, oh, is there enough content to warrant? Yeah. Was it 50 bucks? Yeah, it was 50 bucks. Now, when we talked about it when it first came out... I mean, I still out, feel like it is, but... I could definitely see why yeah. onlookers probably wouldn't. And, and when we talked about it when it first came out, I made the point of, like, for me, the value proposition is there. But, like, I could see why other people wouldn't feel it is. Like, I was cool with 50 bucks, but and you were cool with 50 bucks. We both own it, but and apparently 500 other, 500,000 others. we just got four more stages. That yeah, that, that's the thing that's neat, is now Konami is doing something really cool. They could have just, you know, taken all the criticism about um, there being latency issues and not and, enough content yeah. and shrugged it off and went... We don't really make games right. anymore, and it's a launch title, so... And maybe for the sequel, question mark? Yeah, exactly. But instead, they actually are going back and kind of retroactively making it worth the 50 bucks for more people. Like, they're adding four new stages, like you said. They're adjusting a lot of issues, like the du- frame rate. Doubling fits. the frame rate. They're doubling the frame rate. They tweaked the AI significantly in story mode. They um, fixed online latency issues, and they also announced three new free playable characters coming as DLC all inspired by their other franchises. There's Simon Simon Belmont from Castlevania, Vic Viper from Gradius, and Pyramid Head from Silent Hill. All of them bomber-manified and look adorable. And it's all free. Like, Konami's being really cool about this. And seeing them do this makes me hopeful that Snipper Clips hits whatever magic threshold Nintendo has, we're going to see a similar, like, sudden burst of new content down the line. But I, I will say, um, if you have not tried... Barman since the update or if you were not buying it because of these pre-update issues take a second look i went back and played some story mode after the update and it, it it's fine because i don't really notice frame rate issues like unless something bogs down like five oh, fps yeah, also it could, never bothers me maybe you could tweak the camera during yes you could mode. do top over uh top or above instead of following yeah, you and they also did something apparently to the ramps so they could be more evident yeah yeah they, they added drop shadows i think but the point i was gonna make is like i don't really notice frame rates but i know that bothers some people but even going back i was like wow this is so much smoother all of a sudden like i could i could see the improvement i just didn't see the original negative 
problem, I guess. Well, yeah, it's like how the apparent um, Mario Kart 8 for Wii U had a 59 frame rate, but I yes. never, ever, ever noticed. And now it's 60. And I still don't even notice and it, even when it was pointed out, like, exactly what happens. I still don't see it. Yeah, me neither. Like, frame rates never really bother me, but if it is something, but it is noticeably smoother at Barman now. So, like, if you have not bought Barman because you're worried about technical issues or not of content, Capcom heard, or sorry, Konami, I just indirectly referenced a meme without meaning to. Someone mixed up Capcom and Konami online. It went like viral in the gaming world. Anyway, okay. Konami, this was like a couple years ago. Konami uh, heard you and has fixed it, and it is worth your time and money now. So, so yeah. So it's kind of like in terms of momentum, though, it is kind of a mixed bag because like outside Barman, third party sales aren't really there or really readily available. I should say the the one tidbit of how third party games are doing on Switch that we have comes courtesy of an NPD leak, which kind of which was just a ranking of the six games in march and how they sold and obviously zelda was number one by a long shot one two switch was right behind, was way behind it but number two barman was number three and then from there it just kind of it's like a hodgepodge you got just dance at number four which i honestly thought would be lower you got binding of isaac afterbirth plus which is at number five i don't know what that means in terms of sales but uh nicholas was happy enough to do a second print with a whole new box so that must be good enough and Skylanders Imaginators came in at number six, the bottom of the list. So, if we know one two switched in hit a million, if we knew Bomberman at number three was only at half a million, you can imagine all those other games are significantly lower. And you can imagine that means the real, as you point out, the real momentum is Zelda and now Mario Kart. And worldwide, just to give you an idea, people did buy more than just Zelda. They have sold 5.46 million units of Switch software by the end of March. That's compared to 2.74 million systems. Um, and the goal for this fiscal year is to increase that sevenfold. They want to sell 35 million games between now and next April. And on the wow. hardware side, they want to sell 10 million Switches. Uh, 10 million more Switches, I should say. Meaning they want to have total Switches by end of next March at 12.74 million. Just for some perspective, it took Wii U four and a half years to hit roughly that same number. It hit 13 million in four and a half years. They want to do that with 13 months for Switch. And to give you the flip side perspective, in the first full fiscal year that we had, it was already in the 20 million range by the end of that year. So Switch is kind of somewhere in the middle. It's not the next Wii. It's not the next Wii U. It's its own thing. Honestly, to me, that 10 million sounds a bit conservative. Given the current frenzy around Switch, given that it's still selling out, given that uh, Zelda's still creating buzz, given that Mario Kart's now out, I don't know why they wouldn't go higher. I mean, I do, but I feel like they could probably go higher. I mean, we're at the point where the merchandising director of GameStop was just quoted as saying that Switch systems are selling out not in days, but in hours. That's a direct quote. He went on to say that sales have not dipped whatsoever since launch, and they anticipate this going to continue for, quote, some time. Quite some time. Quite some time. So to answer your question about momentum, there you go. If they want to hit that 10 million, and I suspect they're underestimating, but it's probably better to underestimate than overpromise, they need to keep what they're doing now going for the whole year. And right now, at least, Mario Kart's what's driving I mean, a I lot could of see that. Mario Kart doing that, but do you think ARMS will? Well, it seems like they're trying to set it up to. I mean, I know I mean, well, I, mean, I, know I, mean Kart... I mean, they're obviously trying to. Like, they're always going to want every one of their first party games to be yeah. like a bestseller. But. I don't know. I mean, just from but just from people that I know that bought a Switch that were really hyped about Zelda, like one of them isn't even getting Mario Kart 8 just because it's not really their forte. And then Arms, 
just by t reading online on Twitter, like it seems like some people either really want it or don't really care for it just because of the fact that it's a fighting game. And well, it's keep not in mind, as... Splatoon had that same wishy-washy response until it came out, and then it blew up yeah. with the Splatfests or with the uh, test fires. So if they do something like that for Arms, there's hope. Hopefully. But I think I think what it really is is Nintendo's starting to do that whole like expanding the footprint thing we were talking about before it came out because like look at what they're doing with mario kart and then fig figure even if they do half what they're doing with mario kart with arms that's still a ton of exposure because like right now mario kart buzz which is mostly nintendo's own doing is insane i've never seen them do something at this level like right now you can go to mcdonald's and get mario happy meal toys or enter to win one of 100 switches they have signs everywhere for it go to toys r us every exit at every toys r us has a giant cardboard arch promoting mario kart Go to Target, and I'm sure everyone listening knows about this. They have Mario Karted a third of all Targets in the country. If you go to Target, the big red balls in front are now Mario and Luigi heads. When you walk in the door, there's a starring line, and it plays the countdown for Mario Kart, complete with a wahoo. These shopping carts have Mario and Luigi and Peach like decals on them, so you're like racing in the store with your carts. And on top of that, this is the one I didn't know until recently, Target has its own separate series of commercials just for Mario Kart 8. It's people Mario Karting through the store, and it ends with Mario Kart and the Switch, now available at Target. That's separate entirely from Nintendo's commercials for Mario Kart, which are following the usual Switch ads. Like, they are going above and beyond. I've never seen Nintendo do anything of that scale before. It's a pretty brilliant takeover in the sense of um, it doesn't really draw... It, if you do like a normal ad campaign, you're getting the attention of people that care about video games. They're in the game section. They're watching stuff where other video games are promoted. But when you take over a whole store, people that don't know much about Mario Kart are suddenly aware that Mario Kart is apparently very relevant right now. And this new Switch thing is something that like is a big deal. Because I'm here buying socks, and I'm doing it with a peach cart, and Mario's shouting at me when I walk in the door. Like that's a <laughs> level of, you know, that's a level of buzz generation or uh, attention Nintendo doesn't usually get and that's something that ARMS or Splatoon probably won't get comparable won't get the same scale of but I'm sure if Nintendo's doing this for Mario Kart they'll do a pretty big ad campaign for ARMS and Splatoon because they want to keep this going I could see ARMS being really big in the cosplay community yeah it just seems like yeah. the characters are just right for that kind of thing yeah and to, and to be clear this is working this is totally working like first of all springy ARMS I wonder how they're going to do that yeah, I have no idea, but it, I'm sure they'll surprise us. They'll, they'll come up with something. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, they'll just, they, you know they can put like white on their arm and then wrap something around so mm. it looks like the or like black like they're doing like theater, yeah. Where it's well, like I, I'm, shadow. Sure they, I'm, I'm sure the majority of them will do like perpetual coil, so it's just mm -hmm. like they're just always co coiled up. But oh I'm, yeah, yeah. But then it's gonna be that one person at Comic Con that's gonna go above and beyond and actually like make it look like they're extending or actually lob off their arm specifically to put a spring on it. I yeah. hope no one does that. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll just have their arms inside their stomach and then yeah. just like extend them or but, something. But here, here's the um, here's why I think that even this Mario Kart thing is going to benefit arms and Splatoon. What Nintendo basically did is they're like, we're not doing dying with the system. The Switch is the real deal and this is our public coming out for it. And by teaming up with Target and making the Switch this big of a deal, when arms comes out, where Splatoon comes out, there's going to be all sorts of store displays for those. Not on the Target scale, not on like a store takeover. But now every, I'm sure every retailer is like, oh, we need the Switch is gonna be, is the next big thing. We need a display to promote that. We need to move it to the front of the video game section. We need to have window displays or signs on the door or something. And by the time they get the ball rolling on that, you're basically at Arms coming out or at the promotional cycle for Arms beginning or Splatoon beginning. And Splatoon's big. I mean, they're bringing the the manga or the manga to America soon. So 
Like, it, it has a following. ARMS, I guess, is the odd man out in all this, but... Yeah, well, I mean, I guess just because it's a new IP. It's just yeah. going through that yeah. rigmarole. And also, like, I know anecdotally, like, a lot of your friends aren't getting Mario Kart, but it seems like the rest of the world is. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, I mean, I mean, I'm not too worried about Mario Kart just yeah. because it's Mario Kart. But, like, I don't know if you saw this. I mean, we These... doubled it, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, we totally did. But I, I don't know if you saw the sales, this number that came out. So, the sales of Deluxe, Mario Kart Deluxe, um, are already at the point where they're Amazon's top-selling game of 2017. On launch day, Mario Kart already outsold, on Amazon at least. Horizon? Breath of the Wild, Horizon, the new Tom, Cl- the new Ghost Recon, everything. Any major game that came out in 2017, Mario Kart has already sold more of well, on Amazon.com at least. They never stood a chance. So here's the thing that blows my mind about that. This is a re-release. This marketing push is for a re-release. This is not even a new game. Well, keep in well. I, mean, I understand it, it's a re-release, but yeah, I mean, for a lot of people, it's yeah, the Wii U didn't sell well, so not many people even. But, had but that's it. even though it feels like it did. This is kind of what I'm getting at, though. If it's a re-release and they're treating it's also it as a great deal, yes, it's an amazing deal. But if it's a re-release, they have to do a DLC for it. But I'm sure they will. They have to. They have to. They have to put Captain Falcon in there, even though I wouldn't use them. Like it just feels like such a tease to have two like Mute City stages and the Blue Falcon in there. I, and the billboard of him saying, show me your moves, but no Captain Falcon. I want them to put the Mario Kart Arcade levels in. I said that last episode. I'm saying it again now. I want them to take those tracks from that game and put them as DLC in this game. Really? Yes. Um, I want them to do new tracks too, but those – you have not played all I've, a million of them. I've, I've, I've watched enough They'll have to retrofit them to fit the style of Mario Kart 8's gameplay because Arcade, they're much wider. But taking the ideas of them, like some of the layouts, rough layouts or some of the well, like, yeah, I mean, theming, I want them to do that. Yeah, I mean I, I, I could I could get behind that because yeah. they do have crazy theming, but their tracks for the most part, like from what I've played and from what I've seen – because I've also seen um, footage of the new ones after you talked about it mm-hmm. just because I was curious. Mm-hmm. They feel – overly simplified well actually no I, I guess they, I guess they would have to make it more complicated because they yeah. have the the freaking anti-gravity mechanic but I mean they yeah, have well the anti-gravity is in the latest Mario Kart arcade version I don't yeah. know if you've oh, seen right, that yeah. but yeah. but yeah they would they would probably do stuff I want them to take like the core of each and kind of map them into a Mario Kart 8 level that makes sense but but yeah it is a re-release but it's also a new game for a lot of people you're right and it um yeah, this I feel like this almost more than Zelda's like the Switch is coming out party. Like Zelda was like for the core gamers. Zelda was like, hey, if you were ever a gamer, check out this new system where you can game anywhere, and here's the series you love on it. And now this one's like, hey, rest of the world, did you hear about the Switch? It really feels like that. And I think if they're pushing a re-release this hard and treating it as bigger than a new game in many ways, we're gonna see a decent amount of support for ARMS and for Splatoon 2. And it's all part of what Nintendo is calling this so-called social competitive gameplay strategy. That's the term they coined in the presentation. And during the, the presentation, Kimishima spent a lot of time talking about Cart and Arms and Splatoon. They're all out within, you know, one. It's Cart now. Six weeks from now, it's Arms. Six weeks weeks after that, it's Splatoon. And the idea is Nintendo's hoping the triple threat of these social competitive games will be what drives momentum. See, I told you I'd get to your question. It just took a lot of setup to get there. But I think to answer your question, yes, they're going to keep momentum because they're releasing games every six weeks and all three games are buzz creating. All three games are someone going, I want to show my friend this. All three games, two of the three games are guaranteed to have big ad pushes. ARMS probably will as well, but 
you know, two of the three are like major franchises. Mario Kart's the biggest thing Nintendo makes. Splatoon's the hottest new thing Nintendo makes. Arms is the weird one in the middle with a jelly man, but who doesn't have arms? But yeah, this is this is the strategy, and it makes a lot of sense. Like, when are folks most free? Summer when they're not in school. Who's the king of local multiplayer? Arguably Nintendo. So if during the summer you release your most local multiplayer heavy games. In theory, you're going to bear word of mouth than any other time with any other type of game. So, and to that point, actually, Kimishima pointed out in the presentation, he shared data from Switch owners. So, I don't know if you guys remember, there's a, or if you remember specifically, Andrew, but there's a survey that went out shortly after we all bought our Switches from Nintendo asking, like, how you're going to use your Switch, how many people are going to play it, that sort of thing. Two thirds of respondents said they're going to use it for multiplayer. So, two thirds of Switches out there are going to probably be doing cart or ARMS, or Splatoon. So, multiplayer is already a big component with current owners who bought it for Zelda. If this works well for Nintendo, that it will be a big component for future owners as well. And this whole thing, to me, and again, about momentum, to me, it almost feels like this is one step further than the original idea we were talking about before. Like, oh, if they could release a game a month, that'd be great. That'd be momentum. Like, they're doing that stage, Drumbeat. We're getting all scan a month. But now, we're getting games that are specifically targeted in ways that we didn't really think of. Like the idea of like, oh, local multiplayer is big during the summer. Put out a bunch of those and make them all super high quality and make it be cart and Splatoon and this weird new thing called ARMS. And it could very well work. Or maybe ARMS will flop, but Splatoon and cart will at least do well. Like there's no doubt Splatoon and cart will do well. ARMS is the one that's kind of up in the air. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I think that, at least through the summer, is how the momentum's going to continue because Nintendo pretty much told us that's how it's going to continue or what they're hoping will happen. The question is, will people be as receptive to the idea? So, I mean, for us, we're for sure buying all three, but we're hardcore Nintendo fans. So, that that's my roundabout way of answering your question. Speaking of arms, speaking of arms, uh, we now officially know it's online. Last episode, I made a comment like, I don't know if it's online. They've never confirmed it's online. Well, Kimishima, in the presentation, specifically was like, it is online. I'm like, oh, thanks, Kimishima. You're that's the best. Good. Yeah, so it's I mean, online. I want to say I definitely heard it with, but I mean, I guess there was no solid proof anywhere. Mm-hmm. I suspected it was too, but I just couldn't find evidence of it, and now we have the evidence. And later that same day, Nintendo also put out a video highlighting a new fighter, the blubbery guy we were just talking about, Helix, or in Japan, is a much better, in a ridiculous sort of way, name of DNA Man. And mm, Maybe they switched it so it's not also Spring Man, DNA Man. Yeah, probably, but, but he looks absolutely wonderful. He's Flubber meets Gumby meets one of those used car sales, like, floundering inflatable guys. And I already know he's going to be my main in arms. And he's great. And he's the best. And he's other positive adjectives. And unlike other characters, he doesn't jump or duck. That's his thing. Instead, he extends and squishes. So, in theory, some of that means he can do more than other characters do. But it also means instead of jumping to dodge attacks... If someone's punching low and you try and go high, you're still getting hit because all he does is extend like a giraffe neck. Like he doesn't actually. So the move was he doing when he when it looked like he jumped? Because it looked like he extended upwards, but then he still did his feet go off the ground. Well, his feet went off the ground afterwards. Yeah. So I guess there's a timing difference. I don't, I don't know. know. Nintendo worded Nintendo's like he doesn't jump; he extends. But he, I guess if his feet went off because the there ground, was because there was jumps. a part in the trailer where he extended upwards, and yeah. then after he was done dodging that volley of. I guess spring men's attacks, he, I guess, recoiled his legs up to catch up to where his body was, and then he just kind of lunged forward. 
like a jump. Mm. Oh yeah, I do remember that. I mean, I don't know because it made. I mean, whole... I guess it's not a traditional jump. I guess you can't directly jump. I guess you have to extend up and then grab his body. So right, which means in theory you'd have to be better at predicting when someone's going to try and punch low. Yeah. So you have to anticipate more because yeah, I remember when he first came out. So we the trailer yeah, and, came and, and, out and, and also, you had a concern about him. No, I know, but after watching the video a few times, I'm on it. I, I kind of realized all these like shortcomings afterwards. Yeah, because yeah, you're you're Cause it, saying no one knows what it was because we didn't say it yet. You thought he was gonna be overpowered and break well, the game. Yeah, just at I, first glance. Yeah, just at first glance, it just seemed like he just had way too much mobility because we didn't know. I mean, mm-hmm. I assumed he had a regular jump like everyone else, and on top of his super stretchiness, but then. Yeah, he just seemed like he was just going to be like such a pain to play against, and really fun to use. Kind of, he's how, so great. Kind of like Every... a lot of characters that are fun to use, but a real pain to play against. Because I mean, already it already looks like half the internet is like, oh, he's going to be my main. So it's like, oh my god, we're going to have to play a bunch of these all the time. Because he's so great. E- e- even if he's not the best character, playing the same character over and over again does get really tiresome. Because he... he's so great. Sorry. <laughs> like I'm already kind of annoyed of him just because of that kind of. He's appearing everywhere. But anyway. You know what's funny? So you're like 50% of the internet's probably going to use him. Well, we are right now that statistic. I love him. You hate him. 50-50. <laughs> I don't hate him. I mean, I you thought he looked I mean. cool, but then yeah. you just got so... I don't know. Well, who knows? Maybe they'll come out with some other crazy characters that are out-crazying him to the point where maybe, people yeah. prefer them. But uh, as of now, anyway, as far uh, as I'm concerned, well, they can stop the roster. He's the pinnacle. Anyway, sorry. Well, to saying? wrap up my thought... Um, sorry. I guess as I watched the video game, I even noticed that whenever he's in extendo mode... He can't move his legs. He can only move his upper half. So yep. he pretty much leaves them open completely to the bottom. It, it almost seems like whenever you're playing against him, just aim for his legs at all times. Because he can either only duck to go down or extend up, but his legs are still the same but spot. But see, in theory, in theory, that means that when you use him, your strategy just have to aim low. Like you need a counter. Uh, you will know people are going to try and punch you low because that's the way it go. So you just aim low. I'm not trying to rap and or rhyme, but I seem to be doing it. But uh, yeah, so you just... Have to I know, that. yeah, I know. It's just a matchup thing. It's yeah, just like, oh, yeah. I'm playing against Helix Man, that means I have to bring my game down low. Oh, I'm playing Ribbon Girl, she could triple jump, so I guess I have to start yeah. high. Whatever. It's that whole rock, paper, scissors mechanic yeah. that they're saying is in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it, I think he's a good example that arms will have some depth to it. Because, like, you're yeah, not some just of those, flailing forward. You have more, to, like, really think about this. I was more lot. interested in the arms they were revealing during his game. So, like, the, I guess what looks like his standard arm... It, Drops like a gooey thing on your opponent's face. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that does. It because like I don't know. They're gonna obscure your screen like a blooper in Mario Kart, or if it's just gonna slow you down. But there's I already ice. Be like a slowdown. But there's already ice abilities that slow you down, so that seems kind of redundant. Yeah. Or maybe it inverts your controllers. I don't know. But there was another one that he used that looked like a giant shield. That when he shot it out, it went so slow. It was kind of like the origin that Pac-Man throws in Smash Brothers were. It's a projectile, and it just moves so slow that... It somehow defies gravity and how slow it's Yeah, you, you, you almost forget that it's coming at you, and then you can see that the other person was trying to dodge the giant shield, mm-hmm. and then they forgot about the other arm, but then the shield eventually caught up, and it hit them too, just because it's so slow. Like, I don't know if you could... I guess, I don't know, it just seemed interesting. Just having yeah, a know, really you know, slow weapon. Yeah, it's... There's... I keep saying this. Every time they show more of arms, there seems to be more depth. It's like an onion. Like, I feel like when I first played it... I just wish it, they did this at a faster rate, but then I guess... Yeah, but it's not out for another while. Like, if the, it... Kind of going back to the whole, like, buzz building and the way they're doing their their rollout of keeping momentum, it makes sense that... So right now the focus is Mario Kart, and then probably mid-May, late May, they're going to shift over to ARMS and then have a month of that, and then it comes out right after E3, where I guarantee they're going to do something big for ARMS. They've already confirmed there's going to be a Splatoon tournament at, at E3. They already confirmed they're not going to have a press conference in the traditional sense at E3. 
slot in an arms tournament, build buzz all week, and then boom, it's out at the end of E3. So there will be marketing. I think arms is going to be a slow burn. I think arms is going to be like the first Splatoon where it needs to prove itself, and then word of mouth will carry it. Because Splatoon in Japan did not take off right, right away. Here in the States, among Wii U owners, Splatoon did pretty well up front. And they had the big like Splatoon thing on the Sam Pier and all that to really promote it. But in Japan, I feel like it only took off like six or nine months after it came out. So I could see ARMS doing something similar. Hmm. But we'll see. But yeah, in terms of in terms of Helix, or as I'm going to forever call him, DNA Man, because that's a much better, dumber name. Um, yeah, he's my guy. He's my dude. For sure. Great. Just let that sink in, everyone. <laughs> but yeah, um, ARMS isn't the only game that came up as point uh, or as proof of this whole like social competitive gameplay thing. Obviously there's Kart, obviously there's Splatoon, but Kimishima also pointed out that it extends to third parties. FIFA from EA, NBA 2K17 from 2K, all of those um, kind of further push this idea that this the Switch is this little perfect little multiplayer machine and you can go head-to-head with it anywhere, anytime. And what's interesting about those is those both come out later in the year after Nintendo sort of sets the stage for social competitive multiplayer. So it almost feels like that whole waves of games thing that we talked about in the past. Like, similar to how other third-party games seem to be pacing themselves almost intentionally around what Nintendo does, or Nintendo's just telling them release at this time or that time. It does feel like they're doing that with this as well. So it'll be interesting to see what else comes down the pipe at that point. But beyond just announced games, um, Kimishima also hinted at some unannounced stuff Specifically saying that there's interest in the Switch that we may not have expected. Um, he mainly is talking about, um, I think he worded as unique features of the Switch that third parties are interested in. But that also means there's unannounced games. And one of those games popped up recently in a rumor, assuming it's true, who knows if it's true, but supposedly Final Fantasy VII is coming to Switch as what? a remake. You mean Cloud's yeah. of Smash Bros. have more significance? Yeah, it's almost as if Cloud being in Smash... Switch running Unreal Engine 4, which is also a power of Final Fantasy 7, and the Unreal Engine 4 Japan team saying that there are over 20 games in the works in Japan for Switch using Unreal Engine 4, all kind of conflated into this one rumor that we're getting Resident, uh, Resident Evil, wow, Final Fantasy 7 remake on Switch, announced at E3. This comes courtesy of a, of a uh, Twitter user who previously leaked information about the Switch that turned out to be correct hardware information. And he's saying it's a secondhand source, and he's not 100% sold on it himself, but he wanted to let people know it's happening. The user's name, if you're wondering, is uh, Distify. He has leaked stuff correctly before, so it's possible. If it happens, it'd make a ton of sense. I mean, the 3DS and the DS were both like very heavy on RPGs, like pretty much RPG first. Nintendo seems to be sort of setting up the Switch to take up that mantle. You got Xenoblade 2 this year. You've got Fire Emblem next year. You have that Mario Rabbids crossover that keeps bubbling up as a rumor. Supposedly, it's actually coming out this yeah, fall now. Yeah, the Tales game that was already confirmed. Yeah, the Tales know. game that's already confirmed. You have Project uh, Octopath from Square Enix already Xenoblade confirmed. Xenoblade Chronicles 2. I said that one. Xenoblade Chronicles 2 again. I said that one. We're up to six of them now, if you do the math, <laughs> two times three. But, um, yeah, so the point is there's a lot of groundwork being laid for Switch to be a big RPG machine, and Final Fantasy VII would certainly fit that bill. So who knows if it comes true, but Kimishin was alluding to there being unannounced games. This rumor came up, so they seen, uh, just like, ah, perfect opportunity to bring it up. He also mentioned some announced games that we kind of haven't touched on. Minecraft. 
Minecraft. So I feel like this happens to me every time that Minecraft comes to a Nintendo system. So now twice. It's happened twice. But when the Wii U one came out, I was like, you know, I've never played Minecraft. Maybe this is my opportunity to play Minecraft. Maybe I should play Minecraft. Oh, there's a Mario mashup pack. I should play Minecraft. Those look so awesome. Yeah, and then it came out, and guess what I, I didn't I, I do? I was almost tempted to get even though I have it on PC just because of the Mario mashup stuff. Right? And then, yeah, and then so that came out, and I was very tempted. And then guess what I didn't do? I didn't buy Minecraft. I've never played Minecraft. Now it's coming to Switch in two weeks on May 11th. And again, I'm like, oh, man, Minecraft looks cool. I've never played Minecraft. Oh, look at that Mario mashup pack. Maybe I should play Minecraft. And then on top of that, they announced things like um, the map size on Switch is 13 times bigger than the map size on the Wii U version. Yeah, the Wii U one was small. Yeah. It's still smaller than PS4 and Xbox One, but it's 13 times bigger. And on top of that, you will be able to, Wii U owners who do own Minecraft, you'll eventually be able to transfer all your maps from the Wii U to the Switch, which is pretty cool. I imagine it's through like a cloud interface or something. But regardless, so now I'm like, oh, it's a bigger map? I don't even know what a smaller map is like because I've never played Minecraft. But man, I should get the big, the bigger really map. Small. Sounds good. I was um, I remember hearing it was like, I forget how many blocks. It was like eight hundred blocks by some other type of blocks, but I don't even think I reached like the thousands. No, it was in the thousands. It just I think it was like three. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah, it was like, three thousand. Because I know the the PS4 and the Xbox One were well over eight thousand or something like that, but. And I know the Switch is like somewhere in between. It's like 3,000 or something like that. But I don't know. I mean, that. I mean, I guess. I'm looking it up. But. Um, I mean, I guess that's big enough for a console. I mean, I feel like I would definitely really enjoy playing Minecraft go. on. Well, how much is it? Oh, that's render. That's draw distance. Nope. Not what we need. Oh. Well, keep talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like playing Minecraft on a console would be fun, especially just being able to do co-op like that. Like, oh, do you think I'd bring a Switch or when we could do two-player? See, and I've never But on the other hand, the computer pretty much has unlimited map size. Like, mm-hmm. I've well, wa- nothing's gonna do that because they're all console. No, I know that. I know yeah. that's why. But because, like, for so many years, I've had Minecraft on my uh, computer. Sure. I've literally walked like eight times the distance of whatever the Switch size was. Like, the the, yeah. I mean, the switch size, by the way, for those wondering, is uh, three thousand seventy two by three thousand seventy two, mm. compared to the Wii U, PS three, Xbox three sixty, and Vita size of eight sixty four by eight sixty four. Well, that's even a thousand. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Compared to the PS four and Xbox One size, which is uh five thousand one hundred twenty by five thousand. Yeah, so it's closer to those, but yes. Yeah, I don't know. Like... For comparison, uh, if you guys own Minecraft on PS four, switch it to medium. And that is the Switch map. Yeah. Yeah. So. I guess it's hard to go back to. Yeah, for I you, the, I, for you, it'd be a step backwards. But yeah, portability but, and co-op and portability. Yeah, because I mean, Minecraft for me, like, I want to have that special feeling knowing that, like, oh, okay, I could just keep walking forever, and I don't want to see the edge of the map. And I know if I play the Switch version, because I tend to roam around a lot, probably definitely way more so than I did in Breath of the Wild, just to like, all right, where am I going to build my home? So I just have these long backpacking journeys and eventually i found a place and i feel like on the switch i would more than i would more than likely run into the edge of the world yeah would just kind of just kill the immersion right yeah i mean nothing kills the immersion more than invisible, uh, invisible wall. wall yeah which is why zelda is so great because it doesn't have them it does plenty of them breath but, of the wild yeah haven't you ever gone to the edge of the map i, I guess i do but at I'm, least they make it look like the the map purposely ends there like i was literally watching Elvis play the other day and he was going to a 
fairy fountain in the desert. He was just going on his little, I guess, seal snowboard. And yeah, he just ran into an invisible wall. Like You couldn't even tell it was there because there was a, kind of like a sandstorm going on. And it's like, oh, I guess that's the wall. And then... Uh-huh. Well, then, never mind. I and also, that. like, I guess behind the island, there's an island over there where there's the ocean. And you can see into forever in the ocean. It's like, you swear you can go past there. Right. And sure enough, there's an invisible wall. Right. All right. Fair there's point. even some mountains that you can see beyond the cliff because it's like in the icy mountains near the top corner of the map. And you can't even get to those mountains because if you try, there's an invisible wall that just... You mean to tell me anything you can see you can go to as a lie? Yeah, it's like at that point, they should have just had a huge storm so you can't see anything. That way they can't say, like, anything you see, you can go there yeah. because you can clearly see these mountains, but Maybe you can't Maybe they meant anything there. you can see from the Great Plateau because all that's accessible. Yeah, that's true. Because it's in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely can't see... <laughs> The limit there, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's what they meant. But So I guess, yeah, Minecraft would probably, as based on what you're saying, sounds like that's going to be more of an issue for anyone who's played it before, but now it's coming to Switch. Yeah, but if you haven't, though, I'm sure it'll be so me. more than enough. So now the question becomes, will I actually act on the impulse this time and buy it? Because last time with Wii U, I said all the same things, but didn't buy it. Will you? I don't know. It comes out in two weeks. That seems very soon. I still have Poyo to play. I still have Mario Kart to play and Mr. Shifty to play some more of. Even though so I- you're basically going to get it. You have more than enough time, it sounds like. Maybe. But that's true. I don't have anything till ARMS. So, in June. So, potentially. I mean, Polio and Mario Kart, they're not They're really... like pick up and play, yeah. Yeah, they're just like whenever you feel like it. I mean, Mr. Shifty's the one that. Like, Even Mr. Shifty. But Mr. Shifty Mr. Shifty I mean, is yeah, short, as we'll yeah, talk about yeah, later. Yeah, that but... one's still pick up and play, but I mean, it's yeah. the one that's the closest to a narrative. But even yeah. then. Even that's pretty loose. I mean, that took me like seven hours to beat. Right. So, maybe like. 10 for you yeah uh, thanks I mean that that's generous knowing our difference in place uh, in place go I expect you to say like 25 for you <laughs> but no if, if it was 25 you wouldn't even beat it I know that's too long I know but anyway yeah so Minecraft's kind of switched in two weeks among a whole bunch of other games but uh, Kimishima mentioning it made me feel like I should bring up the map size now that we know that uh, and that really is about it for Switch like it seems like right now Nintendo's focus is the social competitive multiplayer and then from there it'll roll into all the other stuff we've talked about in the past and they're going to probably surpass that 10 million goal they have. I'm pretty confident they're going to surpass the 10 million goal they have. So it's, it's going to be a fun year for Switch. They It's really nice to see Nintendo actually have a steady stream of releases after all the droughts we saw on Wii U for so many years. So good job, Nintendo. Um, now, outside of Switch and 3DS, there are two components of Nintendo's business we haven't really talked about. First, you've got the, the mobile games, the smart device games. Right now... Nintendo, as everyone knows, has Mitomo, Mario Run, and Fire Emblem Heroes. It's a pretty big business for them. Together, the three of them have brought in over $179 million in the past fiscal year. And they continue to work on all three. For example, Mario Run just got the ability to display your Mi from Mitomo, complete with whatever outfit you're wearing in Mitomo, within Mario Run. And they're going to keep doing little things like that in the future, which is kind of cool. But what I find interesting is that uh, some Nintendo's released data tells us without actually saying it what type of play or pay structure we're going to see in the future on their mobile games and i think what's going to happen is they're going the traditional free-to-play route say goodbye to stuff like mario run so fire say emblem. hello stuff like fire emblem and the reason i think that's happening is because kimishima said mario runs downloads are closing in on 150 million that's a lot of mario run fire emblem heroes meanwhile has a tenth of that, so about 15 million people. However, Fire Emblem has made more money overall with the tenth of its user base than Mario Run. Whoa. Yeah, and Fire Emblem's still in the top grossing of the App Store as we speak right now. 
So get out of here. Yeah. So I think what that says is future Nintendo mobile apps are gonna go full free to play. I mean, granted, Nintendo's still trying with Mario Run. That 2.0 version that came out in March, or I think it was March. You know, they gave people more to do before they play. That should help in a way. But you really can't argue with the fact that I don't see it ten- anywhere. You don't. Um, oh, at the time I look, I don't have my phone. Like new apps we love or new games. No, 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 no. Go to top grossing. Oh, there are categories. Top charts. Top grossing. And... Scroll. Should be um, within the top 15. It is number 10. There you go. Huh. I didn't lie. This is, for those listening, this is as of Saturday Beaten afternoon. by Tinder, YouTube, and Pandora in that order. YouTube, really? That many people are buying YouTube, right? Yeah, YouTube that. No, well, just regular YouTube, but I guess that's because of that. Yeah. Yeah, it's huh. number eight. Oh, YouTube TV. That's why they launched their TV streaming service. Uh, like 30 bucks a month. But yeah. anyway, yeah. What this tells me is even though Mario Run... Social Negro's game is on number three. Really? Mobile Strike. Oh, Mobile Strike. Okay, I thought I made a game starring him. But yeah, it, this, this makes it sound like we're going to see more free-to-play. Because, I mean, you can't... You can't argue with the fact that a tenth of the user base of one game is bringing more money than all of the user base of another game. And on top of that, Mario Run still hasn't hit Nintendo's magical goal. They wanted 10% of Mario Run downloads, so 15 million downloads, to be fully paid $10 purchases. You know, like full, they're all in. They have yet to hit that number. Well, Hearthstone is 85. Really? Yeah. I thought it'd be higher. I guess because there's no big release pack right now, new pack or anything. A month ago. Yeah, so it's been a month. So it's, yeah. But but either either way, um, yeah, they want Mario Run to be at 10%. It is not at 10%. Granted, 10% is more than double the industry average for people paying in free games. But nonetheless, like they haven't even hit their goal while Fire Emblem just tearing it up. So now I kind of fully expect Animal Crossing for mobile, whenever it comes out, to be microtransaction-based. Without actually saying it, Kimishima basically said it. He said, I'm just going to read the whole quote. We believe that this process of experimentation with purchasing systems, services after release, and with the synergies brought by our existing business has given us valuable insights this year that will help grow the business going forward. To me, that sounds like he's saying, yeah, we got our info, we're going with our plan. We got Fire Emblem's results, we're going with Fire Emblem. Like, there's no real other way to interpret that. He didn't say we're continuing to experiment. He said we did. This year was insightful. And now we're done. So that's definitely code for get ready for microtransactions. Which leads to a discussion, I feel like, because you play Hearthstone, and that has microtransactions. It does. What are your thoughts on microtransactions? Because I don't do them very much, but you are deeply rooted in a heavily microtransaction-y game. So, like, if Nintendo did that, if they did Animal Crossing, what would be the right thing to do? What would be the wrong thing to do? I mean, I don't know, because microtransactions in Hearthstone, I feel... I don't know, I mean... They, just, they do packs in Hearthstone. Yeah, because this is a card game. Like it, You buy booster packs just like any other traditional card game, except you're buying digital cards. And the thing about this one is that, I don't know, I don't know, Hearthstone is, I would say it's pretty generous with how it gives you free packs. It's really easy to get free packs. When a new expansion comes out, you can either pay, you could pre-order the expansion for 50 bucks, and you get 10 bonus packs on top of the regular price for what you would get <laughs> if you pay 50 bucks. But on top of that, like I remember when Whispers of the Old Gods came out, that was one the name of their expansion, like four expansions ago, they gave away like 13 packs over the course of like a week. Uh-huh. And then for Community of the Gadgets, they also gave away like about like six to eight packs. And for this last one, they also gave away like eight packs. 
like and then on top of that the, every single day they have these quests where you could earn coins like 50 to 100 coins every 100 coins you could exchange for any pack you want from the store so you don't have to use real money oh no i played over a year without spending any money and i got pretty much every card i wanted which, because i just saved diligently and just yeah which is basically money pack. and the nice thing is that um unlike real life card games where if you don't get the card you want you're kind of screwed you either have to buy more packs and hope you get it or right buy it off of someone but in this game um because they don't allow trading because it would basically break their their revenue system mm-hmm. what they do is um you could disenchant cards for dust so a rare card is worth like 10 dust a super like an ultra rare card is worth 400 dust and you can craft any card you want from any expansion anytime mm-hmm. as long as you have the dust right so if you save up enough cards that you don't want or whatever you can literally make any card you want and every once in a while like there'll be balance patches and if they nerf a card that you have you can refund it for the full amount and just make another card so right. now they're they're pretty good about that and also like the because they completely get rid of the last you're only ever playing with the last six ex- six expansions. Mm-hmm. So anything older than that just gets completely booted out. So you could just dust everything and then you have more cards to work with. So basically microtransactions are totally fine if Nintendo takes the yeah. route they've taken with, it feels, say, it feels Fire Emblem. It feels completely unintrusive. Like, right. I've actually spent on this last expansion that came out because I've invested so many hours into it, like probably well over 100. And then we calculated that yeah, I've you won. said this last episode, I think. Yeah, because I've won, well, now, like, my total, like, I've won well over 2,000 online matches. And it, each match is, like, about 10 minutes on average. So you could probably calculate how long I've played those matches I've won. But I've definitely lost way more times than I've, that I've won. So mm-hmm. I'm afraid mm-hmm. to figure that out. But, yeah. Yeah, like, I've, so I would, so I have no problem giving, throwing them, like, 50 bucks for a new expansion. It's like buying another game. It's like buying a sequel. Because right, the game, right. it feels like the game changes, like, deck archetypes that were powerful before aren't relevant anymore so blah, blah blah so, so long... i wouldn't mind nintendo doing something like this for fire like fire emblem feels pretty close to first in pretty that close. Sense. so it's pokemon duel which isn't nintendo but they're both yeah this they're, idea they're, yeah. of like kind of random packs like boosters like i mean i feel like i could play the entire game you can play the entire game without ever investing in pokemon duel that's or true. fire emblem that's true it just takes a little more patience which if you enjoy the game, virtue. yeah, it's, it's no <laughs> problem at all. But... Yeah, because I can see Animal Crossing mapping to this pretty well because you can just have furniture packs yeah, or see, see, I clothing love... packs. Or... Yeah, because I don't mind my contract done like that. that way. Games like, um, what's that game? My Little Monster, Musical Monster. <laughs> yeah. Those are the kinds of microtransactions that I really hate. And I know, like, it, you're just playing a waiting game the entire time. At least in Hearthstone, you could play to your heart's content without putting down money. In My Little Monster, it's like, you want to do anything? Oh, okay, you have to wait a minute. Oh, you want to speed it up? Use a crystal. And then everything's just waiting, basically. Yeah, I'm pretty hopeful Nintendo won't go fully that route because Kirby, oh, Kirby or Team Kirby Clash Deluxe, which I'll explain fully at the end of the show when I give impressions, but they have a stamina bar, but they are so generous with it. Like, it will replenish itself and you don't have to do anything. Like, you level up in the game. It's like, hey, you're full stamina. I'm like, oh, okay. Or like, you beat a level. It's like, here's a little more stamina for you. It's like, shouldn't you be taking it away, not giving it to me? But whatever. So if Nintendo's that generous and if they do like the randomization pack thing like you're describing, perhaps them going all in on microtransactions isn't so bad. But if they go the Farmville route, which is kind of your My Little Monsters example, then that might be a bit much. Yeah. So I, I guess we're gonna have to wait and see, but it's you know it is interesting that like over the year, like 
microtransactions have such this negative connotation with them. You always assume it's the Farmville approach. You always assume it's the, um, you know, that sort of waiting game that you constantly have to do. But this whole rebranding to free to play or free to start, depending on the game, that makes it a sound a lot more friendlier. But b it has managed to wipe away a lot of those negative connotations. So perhaps if you, since Fire Emblem is considered a free to play and not a microtransaction base, even though they're one in the same, just that framing seems to make it not so threatening. So maybe this is fine. Maybe Nintendo doing this isn't a big deal. But it is definitely know, new is, territory. Yeah, I mean, microtransaction in general in. just have a pretty negative stigma. So yeah. I feel like this is a good way to... I guess Nintendo could put themselves on the right foot. Like, so far, they haven't really done anything that I would consider, like, right. shady. And I mean, Fire Emblem was so I guess successful, they never to, need to I guess some people would have considered Mario runs things shady. So. Oh, a lot of people did. Yeah, just, so, that's I, I guess, so I guess they're not really on the right foot. And but they people, are with Fire Emblem. Yeah. Like, even though it's a gotcha system where it's, like, you're basically gambling. Yeah, or even Mito- it's fine. Yeah, Mitomo. Like... Mitomo just bought the items you want to buy. And that's yeah. Not, yeah. Mitomo's weird because, like, that seems like the literal ideal free-to-play game. And yet Nintendo never talks about it. Because, probably because users dropped off completely. But, like, they never talk about, this worked or this didn't work. They're just like, hey, you can now put them in Mario Run if you want. That shirt you bought works in Mario Run. It's like, okay, but how did that do for you? Are we going to see more Mitomo? Like, who knows? But, yeah. It's just, it's just kind of there in the background. Um, but, yeah, that's really pretty much it for mobile. They didn't. They did not date uh, Animal Crossing. They did not give any information on Animal Crossing. They said they're going to do two to three mobile games a year still, as they promised. We have no idea what the other ones are. We have no idea when it's happening. It's weird for... It's weird considering Animal Crossing was supposed to be out last March originally. And now it's just like disappeared off the face of the earth. I imagine summer sometime, but who knows. And and also you got to wonder, like, they're doing this Halo effect. They're doing the synergy thing, like the Halo effect of Pokemon. They want to do that with all of these, presumably. I mean, Kimishima said in that quote about how they can have synergies with our existing business. But what will it be different games for different systems? Or are they just going to be like, Animal Crossing goes great with New Leaf? Or is it going to be like, Animal Crossing goes great with Animal Crossing for the Switch? And then will the game after that be like, Fire Emblem goes great with Fire Emblem Echoes? I mean, that's already happening. That's going to be the pairing. They're already starting to put Echoes-related content into Fire Emblem Heroes. So they're just going to, like, each game has a different corresponding system, so to speak. Or are they going to eventually try and shift everyone to one thing? Like, I would guess they're doing separate because they're running them as separate businesses, 3DS and Switch. But... Still, it is kind of interesting that, like, they're now confident enough with this strategy to not just be like, come to the Nintendo side from your iPhone, like, join us at the, in the Nintendo world, and being like, get both the systems, or if you like this game, get this system, or like that game, get that system. So it'll be interesting to see how it fully pans out over the next year, I guess is the takeaway. There is one final bit of business to cover. Oh, boy. Yeah. It's that pesky NES Classic Edition. Oh, that. Yeah, so it turns out Nintendo managed to sell an impressive 2.3 million of them before they pulled the plug uh, a couple weeks ago. And that's definitely a huge number for a little one-off system that Nintendo only originally planned to sell during last holiday season. Reggie told Time as much, saying that uh, the original goal was to only sell NES Classics through the end of 2016. We really expected not many people to want them. That's what he's saying. Do you think that's sincere? I, Yes. I think some of the other stuff he said, not so much, but I think that one is. He basically was like, yeah, we were only going to sell it through the holidays. Everything that we produced in 2017 was extra on our end because demand was so high. He then, in a rare move for Reggie, or for Nintendo as a company, apologized for people to people who couldn't get one and said... I will buy you one personally. No, I wish he said that. Here's what he said. 
I, this, this is where things start falling apart. Okay, quote, this is a quote. From our perspective, it's important to recognize where our future is and the key areas that we need to drive. We're going, we've got a lot going on right now and we don't have unlimited resources. That is why the NES Classic was discontinued. They got a lot going on right now and they don't have unlimited resources. So in other words, Nintendo wants to release new things. So they stop making the old thing. That I get. But what I don't get is Nintendo as a company was a multi-billion dollar war chest. They can start another assembly line. They don't have if unlimited demand, resources. But they have money to get more resources. Resources are clearly limited. We but, live on planet Earth. There isn't an infinite you're right, amount You're right. They of... can't go mine for more NESs <laughs> in the coal mines of wherever. But they... No, but they can get... All they, the factories are taken up. No, I don't think... <laughs> They're too busy they making are. all those amiibo that are going to be used They're for... They're not being sold. Yeah, yeah. I, I all know. Like, I get... I guess they could build another factory. I get... Specifically for retro consoles. I don't know. Like, they don't even need to build a factory. Just rent one for a few more months. Like, I get that they had to estimate and plan out productions of all their products months in advance and i get that the nes classic isn't necessarily the highest prop highest profit margin but like really the excuse is well we're gonna make a new 2ds xl so uh all those people that want the nes classic i guess you're not getting one like that just seems a bit weird now don't get me wrong i'm just a fan that's rambling on the other end of a microphone with no knowledge of manufacturing processes or how they work but the reason I think this is a weak excuse is because Reggie himself, in a separate interview with The Verge that was published on the same day as the Time interview, explained how these productions are run and basically said conflicting procs is not an issue. Which is like, why would you tell one one thing and then go to the other and say the polar opposite? But yeah, he admitted that they misjudged demand. He said um, that they can then go in and make adjustments based on marketplace response. First of all, Admitting you misjudged demand is like the most understated way of saying. He specifically said, "Sometimes we make mistakes." No, you've had it with Amiibo, you've had it with NES Classic, you've had it with 3DSs. Now you've had it with Switch, you've had it with Wii, you've had it with not Wii U, but basically everything else under the sun. So like, it's a little more than just like occasional whoopsies. Like this is a casual, <laughs> this is a, a repeated thing that you do. But regardless, um, he explained they can make make adjustments based on the marketplace response. They've done that once already with extending the NES Classic. So why not just do it a second time? Like he pointed out in the interview that different products don't have a one-to-one -one effect on one another. Like they can do the NES Classic and produce Switches simultaneously. They can do the 2DS or the 3DS and the Switch simultaneously. They may share some components, but they're made separately. And that completely undermines his thing about, well, we got to look towards the future and we don't have unlimited resources after saying they're completely independent of one another and we can just throw more money at it. So that leads me to say Reggie, Reginald, Mr. Fizeme. Phil's anime. Phil's anime. I think you're slightly fibbing here. I think I'm sticking with my guns from last episode. I think they're Disney vaulting. That was my theory last episode. The idea that they plan to bring the system back in the future but in limited runs to ensure every single person, every single one is sold to a person for maximum profit, etc., etc., etc. I think that's what's going on. I will concede that there is a new contender that may be part of why Nintendo stopped the NES Classic Edition and it may be part of the key area they're filling and that is, according to Eurogamer, the same Eurogamer, by the way, that correctly leaked the Switch, a mini NES is coming out later this year. So maybe Reggie's right. Maybe I don't have limited resources. Maybe the Switch and the 3DS and the Classic live in harmony. 
but I could see how they're taking the Raspberry Pis, essentially, from the NES Classic, throwing a Linux distribution on those with a Super Nintendo emulator, and putting it in a new plastic shell on the same assembly line they are previously using. So, to counteract everything I just said, okay, Reggie, maybe you do have limited resources, but you could just maybe announce the Super Nintendo instead of, like, trying to dance around it and, and count, contradict yourself and all that. But anyway, point is, we're probably getting a Super Nintendo Classic by the end of the year. And that's cool in its own right. Let's be like the NES thing that I feel bad for people that didn't get one, but the Super Nintendo I'm I'm cool with. Like the N this the SNES arguably had a much better lineup of games than the original NES. And if you put them all on one device or a selection of them, that that's pretty cool. And I know like in your case, you said you'd buy one if it was a Super Nintendo one, right? I did say that. Still true? Yeah, I would say so. Because the, the thing is... I would probably never play it, but... It's I definitely... barely played the classic NES. Yeah. I played it a lot at first, and now it's just... Like I mean, honestly, keepsake. I don't even know what games I would want on it, let alone what games I would hope it has. Honestly. See, that's what I was about to ask you. Like, honestly, what... I feel like I don't really care what it has. I'm honestly more concerned with just the plastic. The collectible nature. That was me with the NES like, classic. Honestly, it yeah. was really fun, but like, yeah, cause, I cause bought I... it for it, not for what it had yeah, on it. Yeah, because I don't... Yeah, it definitely... I mean, because if it were up to me, I would have my Super Nintendo somewhere on display right now, but it's a little too big just to have nice and comfortable. Also, it's probably all somewhere. yellowed because the plastic one's bad over Mine's uh, made it through okay. Oh, that's good. Most Luckily. most haven't. So you yeah, mine's out. never really got any direct sunlight. Yeah. But, yeah, but I mean, a small Super Nintendo would fit perfectly anywhere. So, yeah, so as far as games go, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's fine because even yeah, I mean, sure, I could say like, oh, I mean, I love the Donkey Kong Country games, but I'm playing through Donkey Kong Country two right now, my favorite one of the trilogy on my 3ds. And other than that, I feel like they need everything else. Like, I mean, I recently played to the Mega Man X games for the first time on uh-huh. the Wii U. I played Super Mario World again, like on the Wii also, or, or on the 3ds. I forgot which one they came out on. I feel like they need to do weird games. That's yeah, for the yeah, masses, yeah, for the so, masses. Yeah, games, games that I haven't yes. played before, which might be hard. I mean, I've thrown Monopoly on there, but I don't know. For the masses, <laughs> Mario World, Super Metroid, the Donkey Kong trilogy, Zelda, any of that would make sense, and they're going to put them on there because that's what's going to sell. But for the core fans who maybe want this for more than yeah, just like plastic, they, the need past, like, they need to put I've weird stuff. They need to put weird stuff. I want Uniracers. I want Adventure Island, Super Adventure Island. But, like, I want the stuff that isn't easy. I want what they did with the NES Classic where they randomly threw, like, Star Tropics on there. Granted, you could get down the Virtual Console, but it was kind of a lesser-known game. But it's throwing a bone to um, to some of the, like, the more hardcore Nintendo fans who, yeah, here's this weird game that we put out. Like, Uniracers would fit that to a T. Now, Uniracers is a weird situation because um, Nintendo actually got sued over that game by Pixar, of all people. Hmm. Huh. They, Pixar complained that the Uniracer uh, unicycle looked too much like their unicycle from their first short they ever made, and Nintendo only made one batch of cartridges and then canceled it. So there's only like 300,000 copies of it in the world, and I've always wanted to play it because it was there. It was supposed to be their counter-argument, so to speak, for Sonic. Like, it's supposed to be their way of saying, we don't need blast processing, and look how fast these little unicycles go on these loop-de-loops, and we'll make it a racing game. But I'm really intrigued by it. I've heard it's really fun. So that'd be cool to see. So or like the- Super Adventure Island is just fun. So that and that's like a lesser known. Like I don't need like the real obscure. We don't need Arrow the Acrobat or anything like that. But like no, I mean those are super obscure for a reason. But. Yeah, yeah. But like super zombies ate my neighbor mm. might be cool. Like the more like 
off the beaten trail, I think would be neat. But I don't so think do you think gonna... because Super Nintendo games are of higher quality than we're gonna get fewer NES games? Yeah, we're gonna get many. Much yeah, fewer. that's my concern, and that's why I don't think we're like necessarily maybe fifteen. Gonna see... Yeah, or something like yeah, that. I'm a little worried we're gonna get only like fifteen or twenty because I mean the value proposition of thirty NES games at sixty bucks it makes more sense than a value proposition of thirty Super Nintendo games at sixty bucks because you're getting so much better content with the Super Nintendo ones. So I don't know if it's fifteen games at sixty bucks. And they're all the mainstays, you know, the Mario worlds and the Yoshi's Islands of the world. Yeah. It loses a lot of appeal to me. Now, I'm still going to buy it for the plastic like you're doing, but I will have basically no interest in playing it, actually playing it. Yeah. And, and the problem is if they do that and they lose us core fans in some regard, you know, like because not everyone's going to be like, I'll buy it for the plastic. Like if it's all games we're familiar with, they also run the risk of simultaneously losing the casuals because – they may be turned off to the idea of getting the Super Nintendo Classic after the NES Classic was impossible to find and then basically canceled and pulled out from under them before they ever had a chance to buy it. Like, there are probably some people out there who are rightfully bitter and just like, I don't, why would I buy this? I tried to buy your last one, you canceled it, and then six months later you're giving me a second thing I want and you're probably going to make it just as hard to find? Why? So they run that risk simultaneously with alienating people if they put too many, too few games on it. So it's like, Coming at it's all. I'm sure it's you know, going to do well, like, but there's always little as, like want, death by a thousand cuts. As much as I would want it for the plastic, I feel like if I, I feel confident that if I really, that I'll probably be able to get it the first time it becomes available. Just because I, yeah, we're good. We're good. We yeah, have, we yeah. have uh, Best Buy, Kung, Best Buy Foo. <laughs> yeah, just because we're usually on top of all that stuff, and yeah. we haven't really had a failures on that front, so to speak. Yeah. But I feel like if Actually, whatever Fire Emblem Special Edition for Echoes, I still don't have. So oh. my first failure. I had the opportunity to buy it, but see, but I just didn't. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) Well, that (laughs) was was before you knew. Yeah, that was before you told me. Otherwise, I definitely would have bought it then and there. Well, thank you. But yeah, I feel like if for whatever reason I don't get it on that first run, I will probably be yeah, I'd probably give up or just be like, "Eh, I don't really need it that much. And And that is a risk Nintendo's running with this thing. Like by doing what they did to alienate so many people, and then possibly having fewer games and not games anyone really, you know, just like oh, Mar, I have. Four I mean, copies of Mario World. Do I need a fifth? Like, yeah, exactly. I'd be like, yeah. ah, I could live without it. I mean, kind of like Breath of the Wild Master Edition for that matter. Like I had the GameStop one pre-ordered. And then I just took the risk and canceled it because I was making on your extra Amazon one. Which then got canceled by Amazon because they, you know, they did the exact same thing with Mario Kart like, 8. You know, they accidentally what? oversold Mario Kart 8. Oh, looks. wow. Yeah. But they, oh, you know, I could live without it. And so far, I've, I've been happy. I've Dude, been the happy. sword statue is pretty awesome. The Master Sword. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've seen it, but... but... You don't need it to live a happy life. Yeah, and I mean, like I said before, um, yeah. I have enough Ninja Turtle stuff coming in. Mondo still owes me three giant Ninja Turtles. We still have two giant Ninja Turtles to buy from NECA. Oh my god. So many turtles. Yeah. My four copies of Mario World selling nothing compared to your 57 four Ninja Turtles. <laughs> but, uh, you know, to, to flip this a little, we're being kind of negative about the Super NES, but, or the classic version. I'm hoping on the flip side, Nintendo could use maybe even like it'd be cool if they use this as an opportunity to correct some of the wrongs of the original, like a longer controller cord, perhaps, or maybe even go crazy idea, wireless controller. But then it's not authentic. I know. So longer cord. We'll do longer cord. <laughs> this or one will actually. Yet. This one will yellow in time too. Oh, that'd be great. Or get pre-yellowed. Have two versions come out so collectors have to buy double and go through <laughs> double the hunt. This one yellows whether you like it or not. Even if your original one never yellowed out, this one will still. It, it yellows with heat. It's like when you pour the cu- the, the hot liquid in a cup <laughs> and it like fills up the color. Oh, that's true. It's that. Just pour hot liquid <laughs> on your Super Nintendo true. Classic. And, and if you dip it in cold water, you'll affect to normal. Yeah, exactly. It's it's actually a sponge. 
it plays no games but no what i was gonna say is like a longer core would be nice but what would also be awesome and is never gonna happen is i'd love for them to put the weird, an e-shop the, on it like yeah the, throw a wi-fi chip on and make your virtual console be also a physical mini console obviously that, you don't care much about virtual console on switch well there's not nothing right now. yeah but like they could they haven't even every time it's brought up reggie's like we have nothing to say like just it's not a high priorities, but everyone that's buying these little retro systems will buy more games on those systems. People are hacking you know the NES. Do? I feel like if they're going to do a Super Nintendo at that point, they should just do what the Sega Genesis does and at least have a working cartridge slot. So if you already have yeah. games, it just works with your games. Yeah. Honestly, that probably would that be really cool. That entices a lot of people. Yeah, because... Yeah, I mean... You might not even have to include games. That could be their other way. Just have it like, just have it come with one game or something. No, they probably need. It. Well, not everyone. Not that many people have it. I know. They need. They would probably. That's how you get away with playing only fifteen games. Yeah, that's true. But I doubt they'll do. I honestly, they're because having car- a perma sealed cartridge slot kind of bugs me a little. Yeah, but that would be one way to. They're honestly like gonna cookie cutter the NES Classic and then just make it a Super Nintendo and call it a day. Which I get. And Nintendo, that's a savvy business move. You're gonna sell tons, probably. Just not as many as the NES dozens. because of all these issues. Yeah, there are dozens of us. But no, it's – um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's so many opportunities to do so much more. So we'll see. It's not even official yet. But Eurogamers is good as official. And everything about the NES being winded down uh, not only lines up with the Disney Vault idea because they can bring it back anytime, but also with this rumor. So it's a matter of time. I, like I said, I think that the real thing they can knock out of the park with this is a virtual console though. Like, that would be genius. They could even re-release the NES Classic as with the virtual console built in. Wi-Fi chips aren't that expensive. Um, so that, that's personally my my moonshot for these things, so to speak. Um, and while we're on the topic of online services, good chance to switch over to the Nindies for the Switch. That, no pun intended on that one. Uh, that we wanted to highlight. So we went through all the financial news. We covered all the news. Now, I'd say between you and me, we've probably purchased, what, 10 or 12 different Switch games total. I know I have... We have some overlap, keep in mind. So yeah. Unique between the two of us. I think it's oh, like 10 or 12, right? Something like that, man. Yeah, so we, we've been playing a fair amount. We know a lot of good <laughs> games. <laughs> we know a lot. We know a lot. We know so much. We know stuff. We, tremendous amounts of information. Tremendous. The best information. But no, we know a fair Are amount of stuff. Trump? Maybe. We uh, we know a fair amount of stuff. The point I was trying to get is we know a lot about like which ones are the ones to get and which ones this aren't. Supposed to be but a I lost face. I lost my <laughs> hey, I I didn't criticize, I just referenced. <laughs> and I didn't promote or encourage, I just referenced. You're right, this is a safe space. This is a a um Trumpless zone. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh but you know who doesn't like safe spaces? those people anyway um, <laughs> <laughs> like, i can't help but I throw I something know. in there no but uh, what i was gonna say is i lost my chance out halfway through but i was trying to say is we know which ones are good we know which ones we're checking out so we wanted to highlight a few of them because you know you're not always gonna be playing zelda you're not always gonna be playing cart there's gonna be other games you want to play in between so these are them now before we get to them i do want to point something out because half the games are guilty of this hey developers you know your icon on the switch or you can put your art in your logo some of you were forgetting your logo and, like, maybe it's just a little OCD of me, but, like, you should probably put your logo in there. Because when you're in the eShop, all they show for the games is the art and the price. So, Mr. Shifty, you're just a dude in a trench coat looking over his shoulder for $15. <laughs> no one knows what you are. Or, like, the Tomorrow Corp trio. One of you is literally just a Tinder box. Little Bro is just a box with, like, matches in it. There's no branding. Really? I thought it was just a chimney. Or it's a chimney, not tinderbox. Yeah, it's a chimney. Sorry. But my, the point is, either way, that doesn't say anything. Jackbox the game. is just a bunch of board games. But at least it says Jackbox on it, doesn't it? Yeah, on the, no. Oh, okay. 
I mean, the board game does look like a realistic picture of board games. Right, like, like, I think given that the first parties and the major third parties are all putting their logos on the icons, I think that's what you're supposed to do, and Nintendo just doesn't have the heart to tell you guys. But I'm here to tell you guys. Put your logo on the icons. It drives me crazy. It's the most minor thing, but anyway. Now that I got that out of the way, uh, we picked a few of the games with and without logos that we feel are worth checking out. Um... So on the no-logo category. Yeah, on the no-logo category, let's start with the game that last episode, without any impressions, you just told people to buy. So hopefully someone listened, and if not, here's your uh, case for it, which is Mr. Shifty. Mr. Swifty. It's hard yeah, not to say Shifty. that. Yeah. yeah. That's a Rick and Morty reference for all you out there. So I've said this analogy many times already, even on Twitter, but... Mr. Swifty is... God, <laughs> which is which is Shifty to the rest of us. <laughs> Apparently, Mr. I can't resist making an occasional random Trump reference, and you can't resist just going full Rick and Morty on us, but anyway. <laughs> the words are very similar. They um, are. So, Mr. Shifty. Um, Correct. So, this game is pretty much Hotline Miami for all ages, because there's no blood and gore decapitation and mm-hmm. blood splatters everywhere. But what's different about this game that I thought initially was going to make it a lot easier and not as engaging was the fact that you can teleport where... You could teleport a set distance, but just the fact that you could teleport and pretty much, like, run circles around the enemies and pretty much never get hit. Because like Hotline Miami, one hit kills you. And this one also doesn't have as, I guess, as a deep of a story. Hotline Miami didn't have the craziest story, but, I mean, this one's pretty much surface-level stuff. But but, I, I but, but I actually ended up enjoying this one a lot more just because it's so campy and over the top it's just super self-aware yeah it's, it's that just, makes it great it's like, really i funny. love how super they is. yeah they, they love their puns let me just say that there's a part there's a there's a dialogue sequence later in the game that i really enjoyed that i'm like wow jason would love to have read this i'll get there there's also little touches like when you're in the elevator between stages it's like it's you know super intense like bassy pulse like four four music and they get to the elevator it's just like elevator music yeah. like literal elevator music it's i like, like that you can just piano. punch the elevator as you're waiting yeah but yeah that game um yeah initially like i said i thought it was gonna be way too easy but the teleporting mechanic ended up just making the game so much more fun it, it just, really adds strategy yeah like i i felt at first I, I mean you do kind of feel overpowered but it's a very fun kind of overpowered you have a re- you just feel like a superhero you feel like nightcrawler just like teleporting around like oh cool they're coming around this way so i'm gonna teleport her out of the room and chase them and then yeah. beat them from behind but so it starts off pretty much like that like a little easy but always really fun but then later they start adding more difficult enemies that start turning the mechanic on its head like later you can't even teleport sometimes that like, you have enemies that you hit once and they dodge really fast or mm-hmm. enemies that you can't just like oh it's just crazy it's just really 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 fun and it's just action-packed all the way through and i looked at I like that the body count just keeps stacking up. Like yeah. they don't, they don't make the bodies randomly disappear after a while. They just keep them there. So after a while, you have literally like an entire floor that's just filled with bodies that you beat up. You're going too much. And, and to your to your point about like how the game kind of evolves as you go, like it on every trailer I saw for it, everything, even when I demoed it. So right after the last episode, I played your copy, and it was just like, oh, you run and punch, and that's pretty fun, and you teleport, and that's pretty fun. But then I bought it, started playing it, and I'm like, oh. There's also, like, entire sequences where you're, like, dodging lasers like a spy using teleport. Or, like, things where at some points you have to run back out the way you came. And it almost, the way they place the enemies, the way you have to move really quick and keep teleporting around them and whatnot and dodge lasers while doing it, almost feels like one of those 2D shump shooters. 
Like, it almost channels that. Like, there's a lot of variety in a game that's at its core about punching people and then teleporting behind them and punching them again. Oh, yeah. Like, there's a... And even when you add items. Mm -hmm. Because you have... You can... There's items scattered around the level, which use against more powerful enemies and stuff, but those items are, like, a whole nother... Yeah, because items typically always kill everything in one hit. Yeah. And some of them have more durability, like, in Zelda than others. So you really have to figure out when you want to use those items so that you don't just waste them on the easier enemies. But, mm-hmm. like, some have pistols, some have shotguns, some have machine guns. So you really have to decide how you're going to approach them. And when everything works out according to plan, it just feels so, so satisfying. What makes it even more satisfying is when you pull off the bullet time while doing it. So there's a meter you fill up as you go about. And if I'm not mistaken, I think that's what triggers it. And then every so often it goes into, like, a kind of slow-mo of the world. If you, do everything, you get to go super fast. So if you do everything right... You shouldn't have to pull off the bullet time. Oh, is that like a safety thing? Like, yeah, it, it's like, oh, you were about to die. Really? Yeah. Well, I guess I suck at the game, but it makes me feel like a badass. No, so no. Cool. no because, cool I mean, you can only die in one hit, and yeah. some sequences are pretty hard and really, really long. So having that mechanic is definitely helpful. Essentially, every time you deal damage, you fill up that meter, and when it's full, the next time a bullet is about to hit you, everything just goes slow-mo. Oh, that's what triggers it. Yeah. I thought just as soon as it got full, it went off. Okay. Oh, no. It's just the next time someone fires a gun at you and you would have that died. That makes sense. Which gives you ample time to move out of the way and dispose of those enemies. Yeah. And, I don't know, the game is just really cool. Even the... I mean, without spoiling anything, the final boss goes in an unexpected way, but it... Because of the way the game is set up, it ends up being pretty funny. He's like, you know what? That was satisfying. You, uh... I mean, I'm, yeah. You, you just have to get there. It's not that long. And... Because the game is only about seven to eight hours, I probably will go back. Like, the game is still so fun that I'm definitely going to go back and just try to beat some of the rooms without dying. Because I think on average, like, the first few levels, I died, like, 10 to 20 times. And then eventually I got better, so I died, like, maybe seven times. And, yeah, you would definitely... I still haven't figured out the perfect way through every single room, and I definitely would want to do that. Because this is really fun. I I did not expect to enjoy this game that much. Honestly, I thought it was going to be... I mean, my initial thought was just like, oh, it's like Hotline Miami, but easier. Yeah. So I kind of didn't really think I was going to get it, but I don't know. For some reason, I just got it. I guess I was done with, I was pretty much done with Zelda at that point. Like, I did the stuff I set out to do, get the memories, and I was never going to try to do all the Koroxies or the shrines. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I need something else to play, and this was one of the few options, so I got it, and I definitely don't regret it. And then it. you sold me on it, and then I got it, and now we're selling you guys on it, hopefully yeah, listening, because it's really good. But you should be aware, everyone listening, that if you do buy it within the next couple of weeks, there is a known issue with the frame rate. They are patching it in the next couple of weeks. But even early in the game, but really bad towards the end of the game, it bogs down. Sometimes, sometimes it does a millisecond pause when you like hit someone or something, which is super satisfying when combined with the HD rumble. But that's when you want to feel like a badass. When it doesn't do that and it slows down, that's due to these frame rate issues. And it's been kind of this weird back and forth that developers were like, just buy the Steam version if you're unhappy. And then the publisher's like, Tiny Build is like, or Tiny Games, I mean, it's like, whoa, you can't just say that. We're going to do a patch. Give it a couple weeks, guys. But so they're storing it out. Everything will be fine. But be aware that like it's to the point where it's been detrimental to some people playing. Yeah, I mean, I admit that. I've definitely died a few times because of that frame rate hiccup. Like, sometimes they'll freeze me as I'm trying to, like, run away from enemies or something. But that doesn't happen so often that I would say they try from the experience. It's just something to be aware of. Honestly, it's no different than Breath of the Wild when that has slowed down. I feel like everyone acknowledged the fact that Zelda had plenty of slowdown, but 
everyone seemed to be like, oh, but I still enjoyed the game plenty, so who cares? I suspect it's because this is a but... 2D top-down game versus a massive 3D world with 1,000 individual blades of grass blowing at your feet, but... Well, they'd probably just have it t- holding it to a different standard based on its graphic fidelity. It, it definitely is because yeah. I mean I still enjoyed it as much with yeah. with it. I mean I honestly forgot that it had that issue. Right. Yeah. But I just wanted to break but... people's attention because some people are sticklers for that. So just just in case they are patching it. So like in my case, I was like, eh, I'll buy it anyway. Like because the patch will come and I could play it in the meantime. But for some people who that bothers, give it two weeks. That's all. But still buy it. It is totally worth it. Yep. We didn't really touch on this. HD Rumble. Really cool in this game. It's okay. It well, it does different shakes, different vibrations it's for different there. surfaces. Like you could definitely tell it's there, and it's pretty cool. But it's, I think it's neat. So like, if you punch a filing cabinet versus a wall versus wood versus concrete, whatever versus all there, it does do different vibration patterns, and not just like oh, it's like bzz, bzz, versus. Bzz, bzz. I mean, like literally, it feels different. They don't feel like they're actual thing. No, I but know. They all yeah. feel different from one another, which is kind of a nice. No, touch. I mean, like I, I mean, I noticed that, but it's um. I don't know. I guess until I don't know. I guess until I, I we get the next ball count equivalent, I'm probably I don't know. HD Rumble. I don't know. It's just in a weird spot with me. Sure. Kind of like. Well, what do you think of it? And uh, so, so real quick, are we? Yes to Mister. Sh- uh, I almost said Swifty. Yes to Mister. Well, yeah, I mean, I yes. recommended it over Snake Pass. Yes. So, game number one of our list done. Now I'm going to transition with the HD Rumble thing. What do you think of it Graceful Explosion Machine? Because isn't that supposedly a showcase for it too? I barely noticed it. Even, really? Even with the... Interesting. Because that's one only you've played. And we, and you, I, we want to talk about it, but you're the I also, one Because I also... First I thought maybe it was just the, the Controller Pro because that's, all I, that's what I play all the games on. Mm. And I played it with the Joy-Cons and you could definitely feel the vibrations more. But I could still barely notice it. I'm like, what are people talking about when this is like a good showcase for HD doesn't Rumble? It, doesn't it vibrate I mean, the part of your, the controller that matches where your ship is hit? I mean, kind of, but it's, it just feels so subtle that I could barely uh, tell it's there. The only time I guess you could feel anything is when you're like close to dying. It kind of gives off like a equivalent, like kind of like a pulse, which I'm like, all right, I guess that's cool. Like you don't really have to keep track of your health because as soon as you feel the pulse, you know you're close to dying. Yeah. So that's a good application of it, which I'm totally for. Because it keeps your mind on the action on the enemies instead of your ship or the or the HUD. Right. But, I mean, I don't know. I guess I was expecting more. I was expecting, like, oh, when I'm shooting the the minigun equivalent, I'm, it's going to vibrate. Like, da, 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 da. And when I'm shooting the laser, it'll feel different. Right. Kind of like Mario Kart. Like, when you're revving up, like, it actually feels like your tire is, like, skidding inside the controller. Yeah, the Mario Kart HD Rumble is nuts. I mean, yeah. we'll get full impressions of Mario Kart but, next episode because we've like, like something like that, bit, like but. that, I feel like kind of after the immersion now i'm kind of looking forward to like the start of every race just because of like that revving up not like that but even when you're race like the way it works with like items and everything like it just oh, it feels so good but we'll get to that graceful uh graceful but, explosion machine but i mean outside of the i guess for me it was disappointing hd rumble feature just because i feel like every site hyped it up yeah and the funny thing is that every time like i saw like maybe four or five re- video reviews Every time it was mentioned that, like, oh, best showcase of HD Rumble, not once did they ever explain what it was that made it the right. best. I, I the best I, example of HD Rumble. They just said it was, but they never said how or what, how it vibrated or what caused it to vibrate. That's kind of weird. Which always kind of bothered me. I'm like, like, what was it? Like, why? <laughs> I, like, do, but screw it. I mean, the game is still fun regardless. So I was going to say, I do find it interesting that the, you notice less HD Rumble on the Pro Controller than the Joy-Cons. I mean, it makes sense. The Pro Controllers are physically bigger, the, bigger, the Rumble engine's more inside it, but you would think they would well on that game counter that i mean on that game 
on every other game. Oh, oh, only that game. Yeah, like on every other game, I I noticed the the rumbling just as much on the pro controller than the than the Joy Cons. Uh huh. So I don't know what it is about that game that it feels more intense on the Joy Cons because I've only yeah, because the HD Rumble on Mario Kart feels amazing on the on the controller pro right. as does i mean doesn't feel amazing with zelda but i mean you could tell it's there yeah because it just rumbles so so how's greatest full explosion machine beyond that because i've heard good things but i've yet to try it or anything i mean it's cool it's, it's another one of those games that i didn't expect a lot from kind of like mr shifty going in just it's also be- the cheapest of all the ones we're talking about today. just because i thought all right so it's, it's just another like a side scrolling shooter like it just seemed so, so so simplistic that I could probably skip it, mm-hmm. but once again, like I beat Mr. Shifty, I had nothing else to play, but I really wanted to play something, and I've only heard good things about it, so I gave it a shot. And the, I guess the system they have in place of switching between your machine gun, the laser, the missiles, and I guess a beam, a beam of sorts that like revolves around your ship to deflect enemies and just kill stuff. Mm-hmm. Like that actually ended up being really cool, and it wasn't something that I expected that you had to really manage because if you're just constantly shooting your um the weapons are positioned the same way they are positioned on your on the face button so the topmost button is missiles and on your screen you have a a diamond and on the top you see missiles on the left you see your blaster on the right you see the sword and it's mapped the same way and holding down that button shoots that weapon and the missiles overheat if you hold it for too long so you have to make sure you collect you don't abuse of it. But then your everything else uses this meter on the bottom that you refill with orbs you get from killing enemies. Uh-huh. And you definitely want to... It's just a, it's just fun like trying to keep track of like which ones you have to use on when. Like you don't want your... Yeah, you don't want your meter to run out and, right. not ha- and also be overheated. So you have to choose your battles. You have to kind of run away sometimes. But then you also don't want to deplete your... I mean, you also want to get a high score just because this game... I've never been too big on time attack games. Mm-hmm. I never really care the high score. I'm just like, let's just beat the level. Mm-hmm. But this one, I definitely want to keep my high score for some reason. I don't know why. I will fun. say from an outside perspective, the game has quite a style to it. That's really cool. It's like kind of flat vectory graphics that uses emojis to like give you like heads ups of how good or bad you're doing. Yeah, it's so like, it's good to know there's good gameplay behind it because I've only seen footage. No, yeah, it kind of reminds me of a um, pixel junk shooter in that sense. Yeah. That game was also pretty simplistic. But, I mean, I definitely recommend it. It's pretty cheap and it's just a fun little shooter. Yeah, it's only 13 compared to, just to give people some pricing of what we're talking about here, uh, Mr. Shifty, we didn't mention, is 15 bucks, uh, and Graceful Explosion Machine is 13 bucks. So, I mean, I like that it just has, like, it's kind of like um, Faster on Mix in the sense that you know exactly what type of game it is, but it has this own little mechanic that makes it its own. Right. Because like most games of that nature, you just have a weapon you could just infinitely shoot and all you're doing is really focusing on dodging. But this one has you also manage your, I guess, your energy and your overheating. It's funny because that analogy with fast racing or fast uh, RMX is spot on in the same way in that like, so fast the thing is, oh yeah, it's a typical race, but you have to manage your color. This is like, oh, you know, like... It's just a typical shooter, blue. but you have to manage yeah, your weapons. Yeah, you have weapons. to manage your weapons. Like, it's just, I guess, another extra layer. Yeah, it's, it's it's a fun, unique game, and I would definitely check it out, especially if you have a few extra bucks to spend and need something else to play. It's just, uh, honestly, those kinds of games, like Mr. Shifty, Crystal Explosion Machine, even um, Wonder Boy, which we'll touch on next, those are just, yep. I feel, good games to play in short bites, like in between the markers and the Zelda. It's like, I'll do something in Breath of the Wild, especially... 
much more now where I'll play Breath of the Wild for like 20 minutes and be like, all right, I'm kind of done for today. I'll mm-hmm. play something else. Because I can treat Breath of the Wild like Animal Crossing. Let me check in for today. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, I've already done everything I wanted. So at this right. point, I'm just kind of messing around. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And usually when, unless I'm playing, I guess, through another campaign, which I'm not right now. Mm-hmm. Whenever I'm not playing a campaign, I'm always switching like between games like almost every 30 minutes. So having a bunch of games like this that are really fun and bite-sized just works out perfectly. Perfect, yeah. Except for Mario Kart, like I'm freaking just playing the game nonstop just because... Well, I it's have... only been a day. We were recording a day after it came out, so which is why we're not even talking about it in any depth because it's so new still. Uh, but we'll have plenty to say about well, that too. Well, I, I feel like after I'm done three-starring all of 150 mirrored, my gameplay will probably go down a lot. Just because... But my... I haven't even... See, well, this actually, is what I do no. for the podcast. I guess, I guess it comes down to the online. This is what I, I do for the podcast. That. I haven't even turned on Mario Kart yet. It's been out for about 48 hours because it came out Thursday night in the eShop. Haven't turned it on yet. The things I do for you people listening. No, but seriously, like, we'll I have one lot to say about Mario Kart in two weeks. And all I did was 3-star 150 and 200. That was so tough. All you did was 3-star uh, 16 different cups. Okay. <laughs> I mean, 8 and 8, but... It's funny, it was easy, but annoyingly hard just because of the random factor. Right, right. As you know. Yes. And as you all And as know. everyone will learn. He has oh many feels about Mario Kart. I like how we're just like constantly teasing. We're going to talk about Mario Kart, but not yet. But like <laughs> honestly, like I, I feel like it'd be a lopsided conversation. I haven't turned on. No, I mean everyone that wants it already has it. Yeah, so that's why it's like post mortem in two weeks, basically. Yeah, so Wonder Boy. Um, yeah, game... let's let's get back on track here. So when you're not playing Mario Kart, Wonder Boy is the third option. Yeah, so, so that game, so it. that game is twenty bucks. It is. Um, it's definitely more on the more pricey side, and honestly, that game. I had the opposite reaction to Mr. Shifty and Graceful Floating Machine because at first I didn't really? even know. At first I didn't even know it was a remake. I thought it was just this really nice looking 2D animated side scrolling like adventure game, mm-hmm. which just caught my eye right away. I'm like, wow, it's like WarioWare smooth. No, Wario Land Shake It, but with just much better quality animation. Like, I love the art style for it. Like the art style is just so nice. Like everything just has this really nice, appealing art style that just flows his personality and just like where the characters move and everything mm-hmm. and then i found out it was a remake and not just a remake it's like literally pixel pick the pixel, everything pixel. is in the exact same position everything is the same and when i saw the original game i'm like wow like this game because i saw it in that order um i was totally forgetting this game and then when i saw the remake and then i saw footage of just that game i'm like wow if i had seen this first i would have completely ignored this game in a heartbeat because usually games I don't know. I guess it just looks too old for me at that point. Sure, sure. Like they kind of have that dated, like you definitely feel better the than any. It wouldn't have aged well, basically. Yeah, yeah. But for some reason, with the art style, it makes the game a lot more fun. Like even right now, like now that I already have the game, I'm still enjoying it, and I definitely prefer to play it on with the overhauled visuals. Right. But and the only reason I'll ever go to the prior to the I guess the master system visuals is just to see what they changed or like huh they have this weird snake thing i wonder how it looked before or how they came to this design and you're like oh that looks cool all right back to the good graphics so, so that's the one thing i know about this game is there's literally like a slider and you can just play like new graphics old graphics or split down the middle on the same screen right yeah like, to split down the middle is kind of more of a for comparisons the, split, the splitting down the middle i guess is more of an easter egg because right. they don't really tell you and what you have to do is um Every time you, pa- you tap the shoulder button, um, the bottom trigger, I think it's ZR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ZR. Um, it 
does like a like a wipe effect to the old, to change the graphical style, which is just a really Wait, cool so you visual. Could, you treat. can literally switch graphics on the fly at any time. Yeah, on the fly. At That's any time. pretty cool. Most even most remakes don't do that. That's a nice touch. So by doing that, if you so if you yeah, so if you switch the graphics, it'll pan left, and then if you switch them back, it'll pan right. But if you do it fast enough, it'll pan left, right, left, right. It'll kind of like it'll pan, or I guess the slider will pivot directions the moment you press the button it'll reach an equilibrium so levels. if you so if you do it fast enough it'll start to slow down and you could pretty much stop it in any position you want so if you only want like the left third of the screen to be older graphics you can do that if you want to spit down the middle you can do that or vice versa or whatever but i don't know, the game is surprisingly really fun i just i guess in spite of the fact that it's a really really old game i guess it did age really well all it needed was a graphical overhaul which i guess is a testament to the mechanics like the game was inherently just a really well-designed game that just needed a facelift, right? And ended up just being a lot of fun. So, so what is it like a platform? I really know nothing about Wonder Boy. Is it's it like a, a platformer, adventure platform? It like if you compare a, it to like a Mario or like a Zelda Two or like a Castlevania, like a Mega Man, like a Mega Man. Okay, it's definitely yeah, it's more like a Mega Man, except you have way more up and down travel. Mm, okay. Like, if you fall down a pit, that's not necessarily death. That could just be another area. Like, there's just way more hidden rooms. It's like a mixture of Metroid and Mega Man. Oh, interesting. So a bit more of an open world to explore. Or a bit yeah. more exploration-based than Mega Man. Yeah, it's, it's, way, yeah, it's way more exploration-based, but the gameplay is way more Mega Man than Metroid. Interesting. And I guess that's the unique hook is that... um. You start the game pretty much fully powered, kind of like a Metroid. Mm-hmm. And then you encounter this dragon, you beat him, and then right in the beginning of the game, he turns you into a dragon. Is this perhaps the dragon's trap that the game is titled after? Yeah, because ah. of what the trap you went into. <laughs> yes. And when you're, and then when you get turned into this dragon, you lose all your hearts, and you lose, and you pretty much only have the ability to shoot fire. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like starting over, and then you see these areas that you're like, okay, I know I can't go here yet, but I will eventually want to get different abilities. And as you encounter more different dragons, you get turned into different creatures. But unlike a Metroid game where your abilities stack, your abilities completely change. So areas that were once accessible are now not accessible oh, anymore. Interesting. So it's like the sw- it's like a switch is flipped. Yeah. So or, wait, yeah. That's so that I feel just makes it a little more interesting. And eventually, you do have the ability to switch between them. But for a while, you're kind of stuck with a new form, and you have to explore the level in these new ways interesting okay that cool. explains the screenshots this thing so like the characters all look different but it's actually the same person yeah kind of reminds me of shantae in that you, regard you, you, yeah it's like shantae if shantae wasn't allowed to transform into any other animals at, at will at will she yeah. had to wait until she got to the next transformation and then at some point she could switch between them and you could play as wonder boy or wonder girl and the cool thing is that um depending on which one you pick the title screen changes in the beginning of the game to fit the character you oh, that's pick. a nice touch and even like all the art so it becomes full-on wonder boy and the dragon strap or wonder girl and the dragon strap that that's a nice touch and then the unlockable they're just really great i mean as someone who's really into animation they have a lot of storyboard they have a lot of pre-character art mm-hmm. and then what's really cool and i did not expect this they have a lot of videos that you unlock as you play but they literally have like the the recording sessions of the people that make the music like the remix music. Oh, that's cool. And you could just watch the video and listen to it. And it's just like really cool because I went to the desert. Th- I went to the desert area and I heard the music. I'm like, that's pretty catchy. I'm like, I wonder how this sounds in the chip tune version. And then you hear it, and then you see the recording session of the guy playing the guitar part. Yeah. And you see another recording session where the guy playing the recorder part or the flute part or maybe with a clarinet. I don't know. But yeah, this is really cool. It's definitely a. 
it kind of makes me wish like man i wish more um like i wish more virtual console games did this like i know um the people that did this game in an interview they said that they wish like their dream game i guess would be like to do this to like the original and like zelda like the uh, nes sure. zelda yeah because i'm like wow like if the first zelda had a graphical overhaul like that that would get me to play it because as it stands i would definitely avoid like the plague right because you hate old things um it's interesting because like all those extras you're trying, it's basically like they it's like a DVD. It's like a, it's like moving. A, it's when they re-release something on Blu-ray and they throw in all the extras to make it just a little yeah, more yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah. It's like an old movie getting a Blu-ray overhaul. Yeah, kind of, oh, actually no, it's, it's like, a really cool idea. It's, it's like when they re- doesn't do. It's like when they did um the Lion King on 3D Blu-ray. It's like you got the 3D version, you got right. like a ton of features. You got everything. You it's, can watch it in the old version. You can watch the director's cut version where it has that extra song that Zazu sings that you're like, what the heck is this? But I don't want to listen to it because I'd have them for it. Even though it was apparently planned yeah. for the original movie, but they cut it for time or whatever. Yeah, there's a lot of thoughts on this, don't you? Yeah. I feel like if I, I feel like if I asked you more questions, we'd be here another hour. Beauty and the Beast had the same thing, which really? is just weird. Yeah, they also I had a cut song cut songs, huh? that I eventually heard later, and it just sounds so weird. But it's weird thinking that wow, if this was in the original movie. I probably would also be singing the tunes to it, right? right. Because well, it is, of course, yeah. I see it just feels so out of place. Yeah. How strange. Yeah. Yeah, I wish more games did something like that, like what Wonder Boy's doing. That's really cool. Like, kind of like making it more of a. I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is. It's like it's like preserving the history of it a bit more. Almost. Yeah, because I mean, you could play the original version or this overhauled one. Like, it's, yeah, it's a really good homage to it, but it's not even a homage. I don't know. There's a word for tribute. it. Tribute. Tribute. Yeah, the very good tribute. Yeah, the way to expose people to the new one and the old one. Right, so. right. It's very smart. Yeah. And and so you say it's worth the twenty because twenty. For eShop, for better or worse, 20 is kind of the high end of the yeah, is. range. I would say so. I mean, the bonuses definitely really help. The The graphical overhaul is just, you can, it just makes you really appreciate it because like, a lot of the backgrounds and the levels are literally just a solid color. Right. But then when you go to the new one, like you could tell they went above and beyond to actually give them like personality and like an actual sure, point. Sure. Like there's some statues that kind of, it almost does world building for itself without mm-hmm. ever even doing anything just by being a background because there's some like crazy like old statues that look like huh who is this it looks like a weird knight of sorts or something right, right but yeah i don't know it's i would say so especially because i know like this kind of animation takes a long time especially for it to look this good mm-hmm. like yeah they definitely did a really good job with whatever budget they had so i mean you definitely get what you pay for i would say so, and it's a definitely it could be a longer game so right yeah. so we're three for three so far with the games we're gonna talk about let's kick it to four for four with the final switch eShop game we're gonna cover which is jackbox party pack three yeah and we've pretty much played this one the same amount of time yeah so we have both played it uh you own it but i've played it over here and uh i i it's you know it's fine this game more than any other game like you do not need a switch to play this i mean you do because it's on the switch but it's it, the switch is just the conduit for it like it, they could throw this if they port this thing to a smart tv it would work if they port this thing to an ipad that you prop up in front of your friends it would work because all it does on the tv is tell you okay take out your cell phone go to this website or a smart device code. yeah take out your smart device go to this website enter this code you can even then, do it on the computer yeah it's mostly managed through the smart device like all your interactions are on your phone or tablet or whatever and then the tv is just kind of the display of the results it's really the um asynchronous or not asynchronous the um it's really what the wii u gamepad was trying to be except you can only have one of those but you can have like up to eight of these and it works really well so it makes it really fun because everyone's already like knows how to use their phone and everything and there's five different games 
There's uh, Quiplash, which is like competing witty comments, and you pick your favorite. There's Trivia Murder Party, which is a trivia game mixed with like a very entertaining voiceover of a monster that's just super into what he does. And it's a mix of trivia, yeah, like it's, rapid it's, fire. It's pretty fun listening to yeah. that person. He's super snarky. There's fake it, where um, one person it's kind of like the that game of like murderer or whatever. Where you have to figure out who the murderer is in your group. But there's one person. Everyone's told to raise their hands for questions for answers to questions. Like, have you ever done this? And one person doesn't know the questions. Has to fake it, and you have to figure out who's faking it based on who raises their hands and who doesn't. Then there's also uh, gespionage, which is basically Family Feud. Like stats about like how many people said this or how many people feel that way, but it's disguised like this Big Brother government's taking over vibe, which is kind of funny, like a spy vibe. And then there's also TKO, which is probably the best of the bunch. And TKO is very complicated. It takes like ten minutes just to get it going, but you draw a picture, you write some like witty slogans or lines or text or whatever, and then it will match pictures to the lines, and then you pick which matches you want to like submit and then once those are submitted it puts up one against the other so on our phones we're doing all that we're picking the shirt design we're picking the lines independent of each other and then they're shuffled and then once the lines and shirts are matched it'll throw two up on the screen and we all vote which one's better and best of all you can then buy the shirt legitimately because here's what's great about them doing it through your phone you have a personalized experience one that's hooked into social media, one that's hooked into all your accounts and your credit cards and your Apple Pay, all that. So not only can you buy the shirts afterwards, every single game, win or lose, it generates an image you can share on Facebook and Twitter, should you choose to do so, of your win or loss and what you put or whatever. Like, it's all very tightly integrated. It's perhaps the least switchy of any Switch game, because it literally works on anything, but it is extremely well well integrated. But it fits really well on the Switch, because and it's it fits, multiplayer. Yeah, Exactly. So it, it, it's not switchy in terms of it needs a switch, but it is perfect for a switch party. Like, this to me, this is like what, so if you had a party with one, two switch and a few other games, I feel like this is the one you end up coming back to a lot because the thing about Jackbox Party Pack 3 and Jackbox Party Pack 2 presumably and, and one presumably and the upcoming around, four yeah. that was just announced all have different games or sequels to each other. Like you get five games and, you know, it's different each time. But the the thing that, this has that once you switch is missing is meat on the bones once you switch is like oh hey count the balls okay you're done counting the balls done and or like oh hey thing. strut like a model oh hey you strut like a model done yeah. it's always the same thing it's the same thing every time but at least these like even if they are only five games the variety you, yeah. based on what you draw what you write what you say and who you're playing with who you're playing with a lot. changes it dynamically like i mean the answer like we or dramatically we only had three people total to play with so it definitely wasn't the biggest group, and I know for a fact like a few of those games definitely benefit from more people, and will definitely be a lot more fun with more people. Yeah. But given like that being said, some of the answers we were putting on there probably wouldn't be answers we would have put if we were playing with different people. Actually, mm-hmm. I know for a fact some of them wouldn't be. I mean, especially, most of them were just dissing me. Yeah, so. yeah. Especially like if Jason's not playing, we probably wouldn't have put half of the things we put. Quite on there. literally, every shirt that got in the tko game was about me either in or a related neg- to you <laughs> yeah it's about me in either a negative or a more negative way there were no positive ones just all negative but that's okay yeah i actually ended up buying one of those shirts yeah you did yeah that's the best i made you buy it because if you're gonna diss me you better pay 20 bucks for the privilege <laughs> but but no it Jack- definitely can't wear that shirt in public but no. yeah but yeah jackbox it's just a really fun collection i mean it makes sense it's from the developers of you don't know jack which is like the best trivia game ever if you've never played it go dig it up but like this one just it it really ups the ante in everything that they're about their humor 
their creativity, all that. It is the most expensive game we're talking about today. It's 25 bucks. But if you look at it compared to, say, once you switch, like if you look at it as a party game you're buying versus a e- an eShop indie game, but if you look at it like compared to once you switch or Monopoly when it comes out, this is up there or exceeds those values. Like the value proposition of this is definitely comparable, if not better. So I think 25 is actually quite reasonable for it, even though it sounds absurd for an eShop only game. But that's just because we've been conditioned to think cheap is better when really, like, this is... You get a lot of bang for your buck. Yeah. And the production value is great throughout. Like, they have fully voiced over everything, multiple sets of voiceovers, so you don't... So then come off redundant, unlike a certain one-two switch. Um, yeah, they, they really put a lot of effort into this. So, I, there's not much to say beyond that in terms of, like, what you do in the games. Like, it's kind of pretty surface level, but... Yeah, I would I would check it out if you're someone that plans to host a lot of Switch parties. Like, I mean, I'm not I'm personally probably not gonna buy because I'm always over here and you host the Switch parties or the get-togethers that involve the Switch. But like, if anyone out there is planning to ever do some sort of Switch get-together, you know, maybe have Mario Kart and whatnot, put this on the rotation. You won't regret it. Yes, unless you have anything else to add. I'm good. No. All right, that brings us to the final game of the episode, which is not even for the Switch. We are giving the poor 3DS some love. With Team Kirby Clash Deluxe, which I am, which is a free-to-play, free-to-start, as Nintendo likes to say, game. And if you've ever played Team Kirby Clash inside Planet Robobot, uh, the easiest way to describe this is it is that, but on steroids. So if you've never played it, what you're looking at is what amounts to a boss rush mode with an RPG overlaid on top of it. And as an independent free-to-start game, it is pretty fun, not gonna lie. So at its core, the game has you and three other Kirbys, either controlled by friends or computers, Go fight increasingly difficult bosses. Uh, you then get item fragments when you beat the bosses, and you use those to build up your stats and your items in the little in-game village shop, and then you go back out and you do it all over again. So Kirby's, because it's an RPG, come in different classes now. There are four different classes. You can They all kind of mimic the RPG tropes. You've got you know your swordsman, your healer, who's the Dr. Kirby in this case, your mage, who's the wizard Kirby, and then, of course, your hammer lord, I don't know what that translates to in any other RPG, but in this one, it's Kirby with a hammer. Um, but with that team, you just go and fight increasingly difficult enemies. Like At its base level, this is a very simple game. The battles themselves have a time limit, um, you, and then basically within these couple minutes, you control Kirby like you do a Smash Bros. character. It's a real-time battle system. You have different moves depending on which direction you hit the analog stick when you're hitting the attack button. Your shoulder button triggers a shield that protects you and your teammates if they're within it. And you just keep walloping an enemy until he's defeated. There's no health bar on the enemy. You don't really know when he's going to be dead. He starts flashing red right before he does, but that's about it. Along the way, you can uh, if you hit him enough, you get special power tablet fragments. And if each of the four Kirbys collect each of those four fragments, you trigger a special attack. This is a huge, flashy animation of a special move that pretty much KOs most enemies, at least if you do it towards the end of the battle. If not, they stun and then you can just beat him up for a while. Uh, but what keeps it interesting, because it sounds like, okay, how long can you do that before you get bored? Yeah, how but, long can you do that before you get well, bored? Well, let me tell you, you can do it for quite a while, as I learned, because really? I did. But I what keeps so. it interesting is the variety of the enemies themselves and the variety of Kirby customizations you can do. So the Kirby universe, if you look back at it, you don't really think about it, but the Kirby universe actually has the weirdest assortment of oddball enemies that are all rather unique. There's literally a flying eyeball. There's a guy that's a cloud. There's a Waddle D who looks an awful like that other Cyclops Waddle D, but they actually do totally different things. One shoots lasers, one doesn't. Like, there's just tons of different enemies, some less inspired designs than others, but they all have their own weird little hooks or whatever. And 
you're just being tossed into battles one after another with all these different enemies with all these weird hooks they'll often kind of utilize the 3d to like travel along the game's z-axis they'll come towards you and away from you they'll have attacks that weave in and out of the z-axis as they go towards kirby's because you're flying on a 2d plane but they kind of give it some depth with that it definitely feels like a oh yeah this is a 3ds game we should do some 3d stuff kind of like design decision but all those little flourishes do add to the variety because they all trigger attacks acting differently than they would otherwise so that's that's kind of a nice touch and for the vast majority of the battles you're, you get to fight along three different Kirby teammates, which is where kind of custom, customization comes in. Ideally, it feels like you should be fighting with three, or you should be fighting enemies with three friends, like three friends in a local multiplayer setting. There's no direct online mode in this. But if you don't have anyone to play with, you can use computer control partners, and they do kind of work. It's not as strategic as using friends because you're often going to need to coordinate with teammates like oh you need food because you're running low on health or oh let me use a team shield together or, oh i need to revive kirby number three the hammer lord because he's dead like all that is stuff that if you were with people in a room you could just be like hey i'm gonna come heal you but when it's a computer you just have to kind of cross your fingers and hope i hope that computer notices i'm dead 99 percent of the time it does so it actually works out pretty well like i didn't feel like i didn't feel like it wasn't fun because it was cpu teammates I just feel like there is room for it to be way more fun with real people. But beyond beyond just that, they do try and give you some variety with the Kirbys because in addition to being able to customize them with different items and whatnot, they also have this system in place called Wanderers. And how it works is you can enlist people's Kirbys that you encounter either through Street Pass or online. Now, there's no online play, but you basically press a button that's like, check online is the equivalent, and then it just downloads you some, some wandering Kirbys. They seem to prioritize your friends list first, but there are non-friends in there too. And these Kirbys are the ones that are fully decked out by other people. They have all the crazy outfits, all the crazy items, all the stats. And then you get to use them as your computer-controlled uh, partner up to three times in battle. So they don't let you like break the game by using them, but they do let you have some variety and see new things and come up with new strategies based on what the Kirbys you bring with you are based on other real people. So it's kind of like a substitute for online play. It's not real online play. It's not as good as local multiplayer, but it does give you more than just here's the you know twenty fourth blue mage Kirby that you've teamed up with or something like that. So it's, it's a nice touch. Pretty cool. Yeah, and and the Wanderers actually feel like kind of this bigger push for some sort of like social aspect to this game. I mean, every there's constantly on the touchscreen on the bottom there's constantly a Meverse button through the entire game. And then when you're in your town where you go to upgrade, there's this huge prominent 3ds image share button as well. And I feel like Nintendo's really hoping there's some sort of word of mouth that will grow with uh, Clash Deluxe because when you customize your Kirby, as I was kind of alluding to, you can dress him up any number of ways. He could be a doctor that looks like one thing or a mage that looks like another thing or have long hair or have short hair. You can pose his face in different expressions. Like It seems like they're really hoping that people would be like, oh, look at my funny Kirby and post it online. I get more people to come check out the game, which is a pretty common mechanic of mobile games i feel like like smartphone games are always trying to get you to share with friends farmville is notorious for like oh you want to grow your crops faster enlist your facebook friends or whatever and this is kind of like the nintendo slant on that where it's like oh yeah show your friends how cool kirby is and maybe they'll come play too which which brings me to the final part of the game which is the free-to-play mechanic which is what nintendo's borrowing from mobile for sure along with this kind of social aspect and um they're really borrowing a lot from smartphone games with this the entire game all of clash deluxe revolves around a currency of what they call gem apples. Why are they not just apples? Why are they not just gems? I don't know. They're gem apples. And you earn these apples a number of ways. 
every 12 hours uh, there's this tree in the middle of town that will heart be ready to harvest and you can collect a number of apples to kind of start your session off and those are all free and when you're fighting battles there are special sub goals you can complete or like accomplishments that um, will give you more gem apples and these include you know like not dying at all or using a certain character class or doing a certain method of killing the enemy or that sort of thing and then with all these gem apples you have you use them for pretty much everything if you want to upgrade kirby using the fragments you got when you finished a battle it'll cost you gem apples if you want to unlock certain stages most stages unlock for free but there's special ones that are a little more difficult and have extra challenges if you want to unlock those it'll cost you gem apples if you run out of time in a battle, I remember so I said there were time. So gem apples. Yes, you can extend it with gem apples. If you want to play after your vigor meter hits zero, yep, gem apples. It's sounds horrible, but honestly, what's surprising is how generous Nintendo is with these apples. I have yet to feel a need to pay at all, or to grind, or to do anything, because that meter I mentioned, that vigor meter, which is essentially stamina from other free games, just with a different name. It works the same way in theory. The more you play, the lower it goes. And once it runs out, you either have to wait till it regenerates or you have to buy some gem apples or spend gem apples you may have accumulated. But what's interesting is I have yet to have it run out to the point where I'm actually frustrated. Whenever I level up, it fills back up. Whenever I do certain things, it fills back up. Like, not all the way, but it, it's constantly in flux. Like, I feel like I very rarely have needed to worry about that stamina at all. Like, for a surprisingly large portion of kirby versus any other of these sort of free play games i didn't really feel bothered by it or pressured by it i just kept playing like it was a game i paid for which is really nice it's kind of rewarding for that to happen and um and like i said i haven't really felt the experience of grinding for apples either like if i don't want to pay you know you know log in you go go back and do the same things over and over and get up and get your currency that way i mean kirby has that but because of that sub goal system i mentioned where you earn basically apples for doing achievements you're encouraged to go gesundheit <laughs> gesundheit and gesundheit <coughs> but yeah for 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 uh like the sub goal system you're encouraged to go back to levels anyway under different conditions and refight so if you're doing that while technically grinding i guess if you're doing that because you want to up your medal status on the stage for example you only get a gold medal if you complete all the sub goals so if you're just doing it as like a score attack basically you're earning apples along the way you're not really grinding in a like horrible sense of the word it's like i said just kind of like a score attack so that that helps to like make it less severe of a pain to have to do go collect apples or whatever and um Nintendo's also pretty generous with just like rewards like they want you they know at some points your your stamina will run out and they want you to come back and play every day and you know eventually spend more money so to do that they're doing all sorts of in-game rewards like you can buy gem apples on a sunday and they're just gonna throw more gem apples your way because why not or on a Wednesday, if you play, you'll get double water fragments to unlock new water items and things like that. So they're constantly trying to encourage you to come in and play. And then they even do it, you know, they do it in ways where you're not actually spending money because they're giving you bonuses or they're saying, hey, you weren't going to play on a Wednesday? We'll play on a Wednesday and we'll, you know, use your harvested tree apples that are free and then just like play for a little bit and we'll give you some extra water fragments. You can get a cool new water item. Done. And you can even scam a, a scam. You can even scan amiibo into the game to get additional item fragments as well. So like Nintendo's being pretty, pretty nice. It's almost in a way as if they're undermining their own freemium model in that they're they're or you know what? Actually, let me be more precise. They're not really undermining it. They are just creating the perfect strong 
false sense of security. Like, I have played this, and I have yet to spend a ton of money, and thus they have got me hooked, or, or whatever. Well, you haven't spent a and lot then, of money? I haven't spent any. Oh. Okay. I'm assuming at some point it's going to reach a pivot point where I have to start spending or have to start grinding, but I have not hit that point. I've been playing a fair amount. So either they're just very nice, or they're really trying to lure you in, and whichever way it is... It worked. I mean, I can't say when it pivots. It hasn't pivoted for me yet. I don't know if there is a pivot, but it it's right now. It's just a really fun free game. So so overall, to kind of sum it up, I'd say that if you're playing um, by yourself with the computer, Team Kirby Clash Deluxe is a fun little game to play in like short bursts. But I imagine it's an absolute blast playing local multiplayer with three friends. Like the whole thing kind of feels like a Four Swords Adventure or a Triforce Heroes or something like that, where it just really yeah, you could play with a computer, but it's really at its peak when you're playing with other people locally, and that's kind of what it's designed for. What's weird about that to me is it's an odd choice that a freemium game is multiplayer-oriented because usually those games are single-player-focused because they want you to pay money. They want you to hit walls and have to continue. And if you're with a bunch of friends... So they didn't have to figure that out, or they're just being really generous? I don't know what it is. It's just an odd... (laughs) It's just an odd... Just keep doing that. Yeah, it's just an odd, like, thing where it's, like, co-op, but it's also free-to-play, but it's also... I don't know. It's weird. It works. I mean, it works. So, either way, it's free to start. So, if if any of you listening, or even you, Angel, can bear to go back to that low-res 3DS screen just, like, a couple more times, away from the glory of the Switch, if you can do I it... still have it on summer for I know, so there you go. I encourage you to try it out. I encourage everyone listening to try it out. Because worst-case scenario, you don't like it. But it's surprisingly feature-set. So, you're saying it's worth my time more than Smash Brothers and Rhythm I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's surprising. Well, I don't... Well, you're asking me, is it is it worth... You're asking me to say, is Team Kirby Clash Deluxe your favorite game? Is what you're asking me. You're asking and I me, can't answer that. You're asking me, should I put Smash Bros. and Rhythm Heaven down for a bit just to try out Kirby? What I'm saying is it's, it's a fun little... It's more fun than I expected. There's more to it than I expected. And it's not as, like, desperate for your money as I expected. And I need a local co-op buddy. So, yeah, maybe you should. And to those listening, you can't be local co-op buddies. Well, maybe you can. Maybe one of you lives where I live. I don't know. But, no, I, w- I would encourage everyone to try it out. Why don't you put your address it's... out on... Sure, everyone. You can find me in uh, the great county of Los Angeles. Specific... No. But, um, <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's worth trying out. I was pleasantly surprised. So that, I think, brings us to the end of this episode. Um, what, a, what an episode that was, am I right? But our next one hits on Mother's Day, which is March 14th. And we will have our full impressions and your many, many angry emotions about Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. We will have impressions of Puyo Puyo Tetris. Plus, of course, all the latest news that may break between now and then. And I'm sure, given that ARMS is coming up and whatnot, that there's going to be plenty of news. Um, as always, to make sure you don't miss that episode, you can subscribe to us pretty much everywhere. We're on iTunes, Google Play Music, uh, 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 Stitcher, um other things I'm not thinking of. If you do happen to use an, an app that has reviews, like Stitcher or iTunes, we'd appreciate if you consider leaving us one, because the more reviews, the more exposure, the more exposure, the more stuff we can do for you guys, the listeners. So, if you would be so kind, we would appreciate it. Otherwise, um, just keep on listening. We're happy to have you. You can also subscribe. Uh, subscribe. You can also follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo, so you don't miss any future episodes or other site activities, such as that Pokemon Center extra that I promised last episode that is still coming. Just when you have 2,000 photos from Japan, it takes a while to get to them. And, uh, yeah, so that'll be coming up. So with that, we bid you adieu. 
and your two-hour Mario Kart break is officially over.